Well, here's a little bonus episode for you this week. This is our very first live stream that we did this past Friday, April 28th at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific. Um, and it's not just me. It's not just Michael. It's John Trent from Bounding Into Comics. It's the Middle Earth Mixer who's got a podcast if you'll just look up Middle Earth Mixer. And you can find him on Twitter, too. We have John Carswell from the Tolkien Road podcast. And Steve Babb from the Glass Hammer Band, who famously did the Middle Earth album 20 years ago and still is putting out great prog rock music and is a huge Tolkien fan and also an author himself. Um, and we had a great time. This was about two hours worth of discussion about Tolkien, about Steven Spielberg a little bit, about the new Gollum game, things surrounding Tolkien and other thoughts that we have. We hope you enjoy it. You can catch us every Friday now if we can make it work at 3 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. We're live streaming to Twitter and Twitch, even Facebook. So you can go there. Any one of those, just look up thewondering.com or just the One Ring, And I think you should find us there as the very first result. Uh, easiest place to go is probably Twitter or YouTube. But it's at 3 p.m. Eastern on Fridays. We hope you join us there and hope you enjoy this little bonus podcast too. Hey, everybody. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> finally, after many months, many moons, uh, we're finally doing a live stream again. Uh, Michael and I did one. Michael down below from Exploring Tolkien, our podcast. We did one a while back because Rings of Power was so easy to talk about. And there were so many things that kept us talking for way too long about, well, my particular issues with it. Uh, but today I'm excited because we've got more than just me and Michael. We've got uh, plenty of other really smart, really intelligent, and really insightful people that um, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about like new, for Return of the King back in theaters. We're going to talk about uh, new Middle Earth movies. We're going to talk about Frodo. We're even going to talk about like Steven Spielberg and his thoughts about changing films now, which is what seems to be mm. the zeitgeist, and hopefully that won't change. But first, let me introduce everybody here to my well to my right on the screen i guess it is that's that's steve babb from glass hammer i interviewed steve last year uh i think it was like november i want to say and not, um not yeah we met a long time ago but steve you are uh the bassist and i guess lead songwriter i don't know i don't know exactly all your things but for glass hammer and first let me say glass hammer 20 years ago wrote the middle earth album which is well worth your while so <laughs> if you go to glasshammer.com and check it out uh that is like as if uh uh, a band was played playing at the prancing pony what would that sound like so anyway that's, that's so steve we yeah. welcome good to have you thank you very much and good uh, to be here. more to go john who i'm sure a lot of you know from uh or trent i don't know we have three johns here or jonathan's uh, and that's going to be a problem so i'm going to try and call you trent from that's now fine. on uh but uh, trent here from bounding into comics the editor-in-chief the head honcho the guy who makes everything happen there uh, and uh, we talked a while back too, so it's it's good to have you here too to talk about. It's glad to be back. Always always fun to talk with you guys. Yeah, thanks thanks for coming. Like uh, I'm surprised everybody agreed to talk to me again. So you know, I guess that's a good thing. I guess I'm, I'm doing better than. I thought. <laughs> uh, and down below me is John Carswell from the Tolkien Road podcast, um, who uh, clearly knows more about Tolkien than I do when I listen to him. So. Uh, definitely go check out TolkienRoad.com and listen to John's podcast. He does a great job diving into all those things. And I'm sorry, John, because I missed because of my sick children. We were going to go see Return of the King together with our wives. And um, all four of my kids got sick in succession, and all of them missed school over the span of two weeks. It was the worst thing ever. So I wasn't able to go see Return of the King with you. Well, your loss was my great benefit because you, you paid for all the... I tried to pay you back, but you're like, it's cool. So that yeah, was really cool. I really yeah, appreciate well, it, man. Uh, Jonathan, yeah. 
very generous. And <laughs> well, I wasn't fishing for anything, but I was just like, well, I'm, I don't want to. It was, it was. Uh, I already said I'd buy. I was going to take you guys out, you and your wife, and then I'm like, oh, I can't go. You just go, and then we'll meet up for lunch, and you can pay for that. We'll do that. Well, and then Michael. Everybody knows Michael. Forget him. So, uh, <laughs> who, Michael, who who is really excited for this podcast? Because for anyone listening live, they don't get to to miss all all everything that Michael says. No edits from Jonathan in real time. So there's that going for me. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't edit that much of you out. <laughs> Just the really boring parts of the podcast. No, it's like eighty percent. Well, I wanted to start talking about like the one thing that I wasn't able to do, which was um, Return of the King back in theaters. And I think, I don't well, you did, John Carswell, and Michael, you did. Did Steve or, or Trent, did, were you able to go and see? Played or... one day here. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. No, I, I wanted to go see it, but I mean, I just I haven't been able to. I was actually uh, on a trip down to North Carolina looking at potential homes. Mm. Somebody moving down there. That seems important. Really? Yeah. In my imaginings, though, it held up. Did it hold up? Michael, <laughs> yeah. John, did it hold up after these many years? Did Gollum still look good? Well, as a, there, I took a, a whole, as is my want, I took a whole swath of people with me, um, small people, and they uh, they had a variety of reactions afterwards. So I, I can I can fire through them, but I want to hear what uh, I want to hear what John has to th- say. But I've never seen I had never seen the extended edition in theaters. I have oh, the extended edition, cool. so I had never seen it in the extended edition in theater. So that was fantastic. And um, to all the haters out there who think that that movie is too long, I think that's ridiculous. That movie (laughs) all four Four hours hours. and and 17 minutes or whatever of it was, was fabulous. The ending, which was a whole, it's like 25 minutes. Which ending? Which of the the, six endings are we Everything after the destruction of ring 24 (laughs) minutes after the destruction of the ring. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, John, you saw you saw it with your two older kids, right? Or your two high school kids? Right? Uh, yeah, my so. my, my uh, two boys, um, and and uh, my wife as well, uh, who also co-hosts. You know, has, has co-hosted the uh, podcast with me, the Tolkien Road podcast for me with me for a long time. Um, yeah, I mean, and I remember seeing it back in the theater when it first came out. Um, obviously, it wasn't the extended edition. Um, I had not. I've seen the extended edition many times, own it, but I had not seen it in theater on a on a big screen. Um, so. I was just incredibly moved. Like, you know, I've as many times as I've seen all of the movies, I was incredibly moved by it. And, um, you know, I, I just remember, I, I was just thinking to myself how just visually amazing it is. And it's just so much more accentuated seeing it on the, on the screen like that. And, and I couldn't help, but just juxtapose in my mind, like this is oh, no. it. And not what not the, uh, no, not how the rings of power tried to do it. I, and I can't. I am not enough of a technician when it comes to that kind of thing to know all the ins and outs of why that is. But it just it looks, despite all of its fantasy, it looks so real. And um, and I just Except for the surfing on the mammoth tusks. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But even still, that's still cool. Like, it's, yeah. it's still it's still better than what we got in the Hobbit with Legolas. That's right. <laughs> Running up the falling stones was. It's yeah. not legless. That's uh, oh, I call him legless oh, Lord of Physics in the Hobbit. He just changes <laughs> into someone entirely different. But it started in the Return of the King. You're right, Mr. Trent. Um, 
I, I agree with you, John. It not only held up, it was much better experience in the in the big screen. It sold a whole weekend here, not just one day. And so, but even so, the movie theater was nearly full. Wow, at, really? At, at midnight on a Sunday, so that was that, that's a good good sign. Um, the kids loved it. Uh, you know, there's things about the movie that I, you know, like obviously as a Tolkien kind of purist, I there there are things that um, they, the changes that were made. Uh, and I know, John, um, Jonathan, you and I are, as this year goes on, we're going to do a whole uh, list of going through all the detailed changes of the extended edition from, yeah, from the books you, and analysis the, of them. If you go to the onering.com, you can click on our complete list of film changes under the, uh, well, just under the film changes link. And there are 300 or so in there and we can update them, but we're going to try and do a video for each one of those. I don't know why I do this to myself, but that's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Sucker for punishment. But there are, so there are changes that like, such as the, the whole, you know, Gollum turning um, Frodo against Sam because of food, which was, which, which I hated, yeah. still hate. Um, there were changes like the additional screen time sort of developing Eowyn and Aragorn's <laughs> attraction or Eowyn's why attraction do you, for, for Aragorn. I, I just want to interrupt. Can you explain why you dislike the, the, um, Gollum basically framing Sam. Right. So, so it's, it's, uh, I think what it does is it undermines the deep relationship between Frodo and Sam. And uh, while I know Jackson tried to give the angle of, oh, it's the ring that's edging it out. That's why that, that's it's sort of eroding away Frodo's will. It was still, um, it still cheapens what is a su- uh, incredibly deep friendship between the two and a relationship which has been um, much twisted in the to the modern mind you know there have been a plenty of of yeah. um, fan opinions about it that it borders mm-hmm. on homosexuality and all this stuff which which just shows that they don't have real friends um the the, the people that are you know that's i that's obviously my opinion but it's a it, it it really was a kind of cheapening moment where where it, it it you know it's the the idea that Frodo's bond with Sam would be weakened because because Sam was eating the food yeah that, that Frodo needed in the books Frodo doesn't even actually want food much most of the time there's no real draw there I, I just didn't see it as a as a plausible edge and it kind of cheapened things and it also took away one of the one of the greatest moments that I recently reread of the of um, in the Two Towers, when which is of course this although it in the movies it's the Return of the King in the books it's the Two Towers on the stair of Kirithungal when there's a moment of near where Gollum nearly becomes a sympathetic character, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk I'm going to talk more about Gollum in the with regard to the, the the game that's coming out, but where Gollum comes back and sees Frodo and Sam asleep on the stair together uh, next to each other. And he, it, and the, and the love, they clearly, the, the friendship and love that they clearly have for each other touches him so that he seems to almost return back 500 years to the Hobbit that he was. And then Sam wakes up and sees him over them and accuses him of, <clears throat> of sneaking. And that's where the whole, yeah. they say switched to the placement of the sneaking lines, but uh, in the movie, but they're deep the depth of that friendship i think is cheapened by the food scene so that's my yeah long. jackson said i think he said that he had he felt like he needed he needed a way for sam and frodo to be driven apart right so that he can pull them back together at, at, and make that more emotionally impactful after uh uh shelob and uh and he thought frodo was dead and all that sort of stuff so um 
not only right it's the re- rekindling not only of life in frodo but the rela- the relationship is back after that so right yeah right but there are plenty of other changes like the the depth of like the extra screen time with eowyn and aragorn and the the whole time in metaseld which never happens in the books where you know pippin looks in the palantir in in the golden hall instead of on the road back from isengard um that i actually liked i saw what he's doing because you have to give a reason for why eowyn is attracted to aragorn and tolkien doesn't give a lot of time to that particular element and visually i i could see why and i enjoyed it um i i didn't there wasn't, the, so, so, and, there, and then of course there was just so much else in the movie. It holds up visually too. All my kids were saying like how much better it looks yeah. than things like things that came out in the last twelve months. The CGI <clears throat> is worse than I mean, Gollum. Andy Sarkis is of course a genius, but I think uh, it's so just. Yeah. Let's talk about that because I think like are, are movies looking too much like video games at this point? Is that why we disbelieve it? Like hmm. that to me is is the <clears throat> the simple way of putting it, but maybe that, there's a better way. That started for me with The Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah, um, it really did. When I, you know, the orcs looked so good, I thought, and uh, Peter Jackson's or in the Lord of the Rings films, yeah. and suddenly I, I think it was uh, Thorin's battle in front of the mountain, uh, the first one that was a flashback, I guess. Yeah, it looks uh, when we meet Bolg, I guess. Um, it looked like a, you know, like we'd switched to a trailer for a video game. Didn't the Hobbit um, begin? What wasn't there a new like um, frame rate technology that they yeah, began to use so. with the Hobbit? Um, yeah. I you know even yeah, I 48, they did forty eight frames a second. I saw it like that and it drove me bananas. I hate yeah. it. Constant. We've been we've been on kind of a kick of watching some older movies, uh, and it's it's weird to say uh, Stand by Me is an older movie, <clears throat> like being mid eighties. But dude, um, you're old. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, with you. But uh, but like, you know, even going back and watching that, I was just like, there's something there's something almost dreamlike when you're watching when you're watching this. And it's uh, and, and, and a, hypnotic, a hypnotic element that takes you out of um, it takes you out of your, your everyday life. And, and part of it's just a well-made movie, good storytelling. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, but also I do think there's something I I feel like that's the same something similar going on with Return of the King, maybe is is um, and, and Jackson's lord of the rings movies as opposed to what has come what has come later and uh so I, I, even like just technical aspects of why things it is better is this higher definition higher frame rate really going to lead to yeah does, does more 8K satisfying make art? it feel more realistic even that's an excellent point i i wonder can anyone think of a movie in the last 20 years that was made with the high frame rate that looks, it has that crispness that was excellent. Like, is there an imaginative movie? Because I think you're onto something, John uh, Carswell, um, with the sort of the dreamlike quality. I think there's something about our imagination that um, doesn't have that crispness to it. So it, it can bring a kind of uh, mystery, a little bit of magic to the to the memory of it. Um, but I can't think of a movie that's in high depth. And I was like, yeah, that was awesome. I, I just wish it, I'm glad it wasn't in the, in the earlier uh, mode of movie making. I don't know if anyone else could think of a movie. I, I think it has more, I think what you guys are kind of getting on, maybe not just the high depth stuff, but just the digital versus film. Uh, I know I had been watching before they pulled it off. We've been watching um, a lot of the sound of music. Cause my daughter's just like really into a lot of the music stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's just something of kind of about the grainy nature of the film where um, it kind of gives that like realism to what it is because it's it's almost like you're you can you can live in that world you know that world it's there it's alive 
Um, whereas like when you're talking about like these very like clear pictures, it does look, it, it is kind of off-putting and kind of is like, well, this is clearly not real. It looks fake and kind of takes you out of it already. Hmm. Yeah. And, and even with Lord of the Rings, uh, uh, Peter Jackson, like they had a ton of models that they used still like, uh, the, like the Baradur, they mm-hmm. created a 15, 20 foot. I can't remember how tall it was a, a statue or a, a model of Baradur and used that as the film models. And so even then, I think what you get is you get one, you get realism because it is real, but two, you have to put a camera in a place that could actually be somewhere. Whereas if you do it all digital, you have these fly throughs of cameras that feel unrealistic. Like it's impossible. Like I, I first felt that um man actually i felt that at at revenge of the sith i don't remember in the very beginning where you had this camera that would follow uh anakin and obi-wan as they were flying through the battle in the very beginning of the movie and it was very much like swooping through everything it just was jarring to me because it didn't feel as real as like the speeder bike chase or even the uh the the death star trench run from the original star wars where it it was fast cuts it was single shots you could follow it well but this was this you know we we set up a drone behind you and we have a, a we have a tractor beam from behind the ship and it's just following you as fast as it can and just that kind of stuff just pulls me right out of it and i i love the realism that you get in actual films um that were made you know 20 years ago or more but nowadays it doesn't it just ugh, everything feels like a video game to me maybe what about uh, top gun maverick do you see that that's a good point i did so, um that's probably the one that kind of stands out like i don't really I don't know. It's hard for me yeah. to really kind of say that that took me out because I think they did so many practical stunts. They did, um, yeah. didn't rely a lot on like extra graphics and stuff like that. They were in the, they were in those planes. They were vomiting in the planes after they were, cause they were pulling such the high G's and everything. So, um, yeah, and that practical effects me, versus special effects. And then even the most recent mission impossible with Henry Cavill, I feel like kind of well, puts you in that too, but those aren't like, again, those aren't like high fantasy or, or, uh, space operas or anything like that where you're usually relying on a lot of that digital effects yeah um what's the filmmaker um he's doing um did the interstellar oh yeah, what's yeah, the yeah. practical nolan? effects for that yeah that Chris- christopher nolan is that yeah christopher nolan yeah mm-hmm. yeah hmm. yeah yeah and i think he's doing uh he's He's doing a you know movie about the bomb, Oppenheimer, you know, yeah. and apparently yeah, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer, that, that apparently there's a real bomb. Interesting. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> the explosion is yeah. Real. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He had them actually yeah. create a real explosion. That's right. Yeah, right about that. Yeah. Oh no, kidding! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow. I gotta go look. But I think he's using. I think he's using. Uh, he's, he's obviously it's not like a nuclear detonation. I think it's like more of a <laughs> uh, what like a practical bomb or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not super familiar with any of that stuff, but that uh, set though for Interstellar. I mean, they built a set for uh, I can't remember what they called the this black hole phenomenon they went into where he could see the library and or the the bookshelf and all you know mm. um, over many dimensions. Uh, it's a real set. Uh, yeah, scientists brought in and and you know so uh, he's got a, a really good look to his films. Yeah, I don't know that it's impossible now to make like the the like the same, you know, to to have to make great film. Um, you know, I I just think like what Jackson accomplished is pretty yeah, uh, pretty amazing with those first with those first three films. I mean, you know, he he deserved he deserved that Academy Award, all the all of those Academy Awards undoubtedly because it was a monumental achievement and I just I 
um, I look at him and I think like for somebody like to adapt a work of, you know, that's just such a, uh, that, that comes from a mind like Tolkien's where it was such an utterly unique, like unique creative vision, idiosyncratic, just completely idiosyncratic creative vision. It takes somebody just like him and the, and the other medium to accomplish yeah. that. And, and not saying that Jackson is just like him, you know, maybe ideologically, but, um, but just like him in the sense of being like a really eccentric creative with his own vision, uh, but also having a, the practical ability to like make these things happen. And so, you know, that when I, when we reviewed Rings of Power, like my analysis of kind of big picture analysis of, of all the issues there was simply like, you know, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to do this thing by corporate committee. Right. And, um, you know, it, it's not going to work. Like you, you can't, you can't do justice to what Tolkien gave us that way. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, that's just not going to happen. It's just going to be bland corporate mediocrity. And that's, that's really what we got. Yeah. Hey, everybody below me is, uh, is the middle earth mixer. Welcome. I welcome. Know, welcome. Uh, welcome. <clears throat> there are more responsibilities, more important than this. I can't imagine what that would be. However, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're talking a little bit about, um, if Return of the King holds up, did you see it in theaters recently uh, when it came back out? Yeah, I did, and it was uh, it was kind of an awful experience. I actually, <laughs> oh, no. oh no, <laughs> <laughs> not not the movie, but um, you know, my wife's pregnant. I, I shared that with you, and oh, we go nice. up there, and I thought it would be good. Mm. I got seats kind of close to the front, and oh, <laughs> oh, that's and, always a mistake. Yeah, mm. and for some reason. <laughs> I had just assumed, you know, logically that the theater would use the 4K version and it not only was it not the 4K version, so it didn't look updated, um, which is fine. You know, I'll still Mm. watch the movie. However, they were because it was in a theater, they had zoomed up on everybody's face. So I'm basically watching just like face shots of Gandalf, Thid and and Aragorn for the first 20 minutes and. You know, my wife's pregnant, so I'm not going to make her sit uncomfortably up in the front the whole time. So we just ended up leaving and we watched the rest of it on 4K at my house. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, so that, Mixer missed the first part of this discussion. It would have been fun because we're because I'm anti 4K. I don't like I like the more dream like. No, no, no. I think you're anti like too high resolution without and you can do 4K and still make it look good. That's true. But yeah, it's the too high resolution. We were talking a little bit about that. I mean, I think one of the things to bring up is like changing film. So, so we have the right, the extended editions. And I don't know if you guys know, my brother texted me last night at like 2 a.m. because he's in California and I'm, I'm in here. And I'm like, dude, that's a little late. Anyway, uh, but he, was, he told me, hey, Re- Return of the Jedi is back in theaters this week for, yep. because it's its 40th anniversary. And I was like, oh, this what? Weekend. Oh, man, now I got to go take time to find out. But I want to go see that in theaters. I think that was the second or third movie I ever saw in a theater. Um, but, you know, we have changes that are always made to these movies. And now we have uh, Steven Spielberg saying that uh, he hates the idea of updating movies. And so, I mean, thankfully, we have some movies like Back to the Future and The Godfather, ones that have never really been touched, other than maybe to like, you know, bring it into a higher quality from the film stock, whatever. But it's not like they're adding oh, Job of the Hut into Star Wars or... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I don't. I don't remember. They I hate do... that scene so much. He was in Star Wars. So he was, originally, he just yeah. wasn't a slug. Yeah. He was he just was a big a guy in a in a furry suit. Yeah, not furry, not in that sense. 
<laughs> and a suit that made whole, out of some fur. <laughs> that whole it makes it makes Jabba look so small, and then he like steps uh, on him, which is like the worst part. Yeah, that it's was like... that was. I have to admit, I recently actually it's the latest thing I've hate watched. I actually went back to that clip just to remind myself of how much I hate that clip. <laughs> clip, it, it's but, awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, and in the reference from Spielberg, I think that you're making the connection, Jonathan is obviously the the zeitgeist of the era right now with the rings of power and everything else is you know revising this 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 world for the modern audience and so spielberg yeah. is specifically stepping distancing himself from that idea and 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 admitting his own fault in do, doing so when he uh, infamously yeah. made some changes to his uh, early aughts uh, version of et yeah it um, I never saw that version of E.T., and I will have to make an effort to find a version with it because, heck, my kids love guns, so why not more guns? Uh, although when we did go to South Dakota this year, what did my boys want? Because we said they can get one gift. They wanted a, a realistic-looking, like, uh, Western cap gun that actually, like, you could put the caps in. Oh, I have one of those. Those are uh, awesome. Yeah. See, we here? do too. Yeah, caps. Yeah. Those guys. You stick them in there, oh, and yeah. they make the sound. And my, for my thirteen-year-old, my six-year-old, they both like were nonstop with that. It was awesome. Anyway, but yeah. So he took the guns out, right? And then he said, "What's interesting is I think, um, and this is what uh, I don't know if you guys follow Hollywood in Toto, who also has a great, um, more thoughtful like site about uh, entertainment and Hollywood. He points out that with Spielberg's line more of thoughtful, I, more thoughtful." Yes. <laughs> Sorry. How about this? Ouch. He, um, oh man, I just backed myself into a really horrible corner. No, I like I like Christian Toto too. Just I was I was expecting I was expecting Trent to just well. He just took peace he took this line. He doesn't give us. He did. He didn't. He didn't give us all the uh, uh, um, uh, everything surrounding the statement. He just said what he thought about the statement was that the interesting word that uh, that Spielberg used is that. Um, we shouldn't force people right. to uh, to do that anymore, and that's what really where we are is that we're being forced to watch it in the ways that they want us to watch these films because they're problematic. They were created at a time where we weren't as enlightened those twenty years ago as we are today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, do we see like are we going to see like like the Warner Brothers movies that are coming up? Right? Are they going to take this? Right? So right. So here's the thing that drives me crazy. Right? Star Wars. The Force is female. That was the shirt that Kathleen Kennedy wore when she took over Star Wars. And what do we see now in Star Wars? We see no strong male characters. They, they, for lack of a better term, they neuter the men, right? Even the Mandalorian in the recent series, as far as I can tell. Boba Fett was horrible, what they did with him. Rey is a strong one, uh, right? And so they, everything is now, it has to be, you, can only, you can't have women be saved by anything. Even the new Little Mermaid, right? Uh, in the original, you have, uh, I can't remember the, the, the boy's name, but Eric, he, he, Eric, Eric, yeah, he pirates it. The, mm. Yeah, right? He spears it, spears Ursula with the ship. And in this new one, I don't know how they're doing it, yep. but I know they're making Ariel do it herself. She's, she's going to be saving herself. So nobody yeah, can be saved uh, unless... There's like a... Yeah, there's a book adaptation that shows her piloting the ship into, uh, the, into Ursula, who's now like looking like, instead of like looking ferocious and fearsome, she's looking like distraught and like kind of fearful yeah so do you I think, think i think they should have gone full uh like the like the classic version of the the, the original version of the little mermaid uh, the actual <laughs> story where it's like the most depressing ending ever it's a terrible fairy tale by the way that's a, it's, it is depressing i think something to point out about that though is that you mentioned they make the they make the guys essentially worthless is uh what they did to uh, uh finn's character um, oh yeah you know he was originally supposed to be i think 
the Jedi of the series, right? Or at least him and Ray were supposed to be Jedis together. And people were really excited about his character, particularly people who care about diversity. And then they basically ended up just scrapping that for reasons that only Disney knows. Um, and I think that they ended up shooting them themselves in the foot with their own diversity agenda. You know, they took this character that maybe could have been great, you know, a stormtrooper becoming a Jedi, who knows? And they did away with it for one reason or, or another. Yeah. It's it, it, well, the whole the whole that whole trilogy, they had no idea what they were doing from the get go either. There was no plan. They went from movie to movie without a plot. Um, they, they were just the, the plan was soft reboot and remake Star Wars. <laughs> Reimagine. Yeah. Turn off everything that happened in the past and we're just going to go forward. And so now they're making another. Isn't is it another trilogy of Ray movies or is it just one? So it's just one right now. Oh, thank the Lord. If it'll ever be made. <laughs> so what are you saying are you saying so will warner brothers so here's a question with warner brothers with lord of the rings and and tolkien and what they have the rights to which is everything except essentially again the silmarillion because they have the appendices but in film form rather than in tv form if i understand it right correct me anybody who knows better than me if i'm wrong do they um, they don't have the silmarillion they do are not they sure only they that? still only have the appendices i'm pretty sure i don't think mm-hmm. the silmarillion are you talking about rights. amazon I'm, well, I'm, no, I'm talking about Warner Brothers. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like I think Warner Brothers. Does Warner Brothers have the film rights to Lord of the Rings, and then Amazon has the TV rights? Is that? I think Amazon has the TV rights to the books. At least according to their own interviews, they have the TV rights to the books and the appendices. But I think Warner Brothers has everything. With because uh, uh, they I, cut a new deal, they cut I, a new deal when they oh, announced they did. the films. But yeah, that was. Really they the have the Silmarillion. Yeah, I don't think the Silmarillion's sure ever been sold. Yeah, it's Lord of the Rings proper, and then the appendices. I I think I don't think that they have the the Tolkien Estate is definitely <clears throat> pearl clutched with the Silmarillion for good reason. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> if if they stick with that, depending on who's in charge of that. Um, uh, hey guys, you, I, I got to drop. You guys are getting like right to the thing I want to talk about too. So this kind of stinks, oh. but uh, hopefully I'll be back soon. All right, all right. <laughs> see you, John. You, hopefully, seeing a few. Um, but anyway, so regardless, so 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 whatever they end up doing, do you think? Do you think people are starting to learn the lesson, like don't reimagine what people already love? Or, are, or do you think we're, we're still going to go down this path? Is it going to take another big old failure like that? Or, you know, where you see like, you know, if The Force Awakens was huge and then you get to Solo and uh, Book of Boba Fett and Mandalorian, like where people just don't care anymore, right? They've lost any passion. There's nobody, there's no fans propping it up anymore. Did, uh, did anybody watch uh, Picard season three? I did. Got any Trek fans? Uh, opinions on that because... I'm a fan, and I loved it. I, I yep. skipped the second season. I just didn't have the heart and was told not to watch it. Very confused and let down by the first season. Uh, and then I started reading some things about the third season, and I kept waiting to be let down. Was that the one um, that Stacey Abrams was in, the former governor of Georgia? No, that was Discovery. <laughs> that was oh, Discovery. Okay. Yeah. She was she was the, no. she was the president of Earth at that point. No. She had, she had oh, risen okay. up the ranks over the next right. two and a half thousand years yeah. or however long. More than just Georgia. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> was this was done by a fan. It was, yeah, a Terry Metalis, right? Yeah. And he worked and, uh, on I think it was like an intern. He was like a lower level guy on the end of Next Generation or something like that long ago. And so and yeah, I mean, just as a fanboy myself, I, I mean, we, I, I just about had to get the Kleenex out <laughs> uh, by the last episode. It just, it hit, it hit all the right spots, and I, it, it just didn't have any of that new thought to it at all. Uh, it just was what it needed to be, and it wasn't anything more. 
is and maybe and maybe that's a sign of i'm just saying maybe that's a sign <laughs> of things to come i hope so well, I hope so too. Is it Metallic? What is his last name? Terry Metallus, I believe. Metallus. So, I, I've been. I'm with you, Steve. I also I watched, started watching the first season, and I, then I I took my toys and went home because I was so I was so mad. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and then someone told me the third season. I skipped the second. Someone told me the third right. season was good, so I tried it out. I love the third season. I think I think actually Star Trek season three is going to be the litmus test because just to see whether they're paying attention or not. Yeah. Part part I, I think there's a story that's been told that's being told inside of media and, and John Trent can can uh, give you a better better uh, finger on the pulse than I can. But there's a story being told that if you look at how many YouTube videos and you know. Um, previews trailers are ratioed uh now there's a story being told that just a lot of hateful fan uh, former fanboys that are just tanking um toxic masculine um, folks that are just tanking these ratings and they don't really mean anything when the rotten tomatoes right, score right, is yeah, so low yeah. etc um the question for me is going to be next year or the end of this year as we start seeing the stuff that gets produced um as a uh, following up on the last 12 months of production do we see any shifts? Do we see anyone recognizing something, especially with Star Trek? Um, because, yeah. yeah, it's been so that was such a bright spot in an otherwise yeah. dark universe now, in my mind. I, uh... So I'm, I'm, I'm holding my breath. Well, I mean, maybe it's a good timing then for Warner Brothers making these decisions. And and also there's the War of the Rohirrim. I don't know. I guess they're pretty far along with that. I haven't really followed it much because I've, I've talked before about how I just don't care about it. Comes anything. out next year. Comes out. So they're really close. Like they're. they're yeah, they're, I think they're going to. I think the if you look at the tweet in the private chat, he says that they're going to show it off at Annecy, which is this huge French animation film festival okay. in yeah. June this year. Um, I mean, well, there's a good trailer then. Will how much of a of a role will you know? Uh, isn't Eowyn back in this one? Isn't uh, Miranda? She's Otto narrating. narrating? It. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if they change the characters, I'm excited. Right? Yeah, I mean, I hope it's good. I hope. I mean, the the story of Helm Hammerhand is pretty amazing. But if yep. uh, if they start throwing in, you know, his <clears throat> wife or mistress or whatever they end up doing, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So so <laughs> she's the neck that turns the head now. Uh, that's going to start disappointing me. But here's the funny thing. This is what we were talking about right before we started the live stream, too, is Tolkien has so many good, strong characters that are female, that are all written in the Silmarillion already, and then they feel like they have to take the stories that, that were in that don't necessarily, that aren't, like, female-centric, like Baron and Luthien, <clears throat> or even, uh, you know, you could even go all the way into Turin and uh, 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 Elwing and, and, uh, and uh, Arundel, right? So... All those stories are there, um, and at Haleth, if you go even further back, the people of Haleth, how she held her people together. Anyway, all this sort of stuff. But are, they're just, are they going to, you know, and I think uh, Corey in our chat, she asks, what does he mean by lenses being forced to peer through? Are we being forced to peer through the lens of patriarchy that says you can't have a male be in charge of a people anymore or to be the one who, uh, who, who actually wins the day in the end? That doesn't happen. Will will Warner Brothers learn that lesson? Will we see that in the War of the Rohirrim? I sure hope not. I'm pretty cynical about the whole thing. I've heard a lot of people. I, of course, I'm hopeful. I've heard a lot of people who have spread this narrative like, ah, yes, it's finally subsiding. The agenda is finally subsiding. Um, we can come up with creative stories again. And I actually I, I don't subscribe to that at all. I think 
with the Welcome current... to the Black Pill. <laughs> I was going to say, you, you John, and John, John quiet Kett. because he's like, you guys are all just dumb. You don't know what you're Well, doing. I think like, with the I've current... too much. Yeah, I you think with the current regime, people feel safe actually telling good stories again because they don't necessarily have to hit a checklist because there's less of that political attention on every single thing that gets dropped. However, I still don't think that that's going away. I think as soon as the pendulum swings and the regime changes, we're going to have more garbage. That co- We still have garbage. I mean, if you look at the most recent, I think it was the, uh, the I didn't watch it. I refused to watch it. It was the Witcher prequel series oh, no, that, that came out. It was. I didn't watch it either. I saw trailers and it was absolutely horrendous looking. Right. Um, like I didn't even want to waste my time watching it. Um, but I think that that stuff is going to continue to come out. And I think it's gone a little bit more dormant. The agenda mm-hmm. to look at everything under a certain political microscope. Um, you know, that, that goes to sleep. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't go away completely. And it'll wake up again as soon as, you know, somebody else gets into the White House. Or at least that's my personal opinion. Well, to share to share in the black pill a little bit, I I don't think you can escape from the fact that all of these productions are a in fact a product of the imaginations of the people in charge, and we have a culture which has shifted dramatically in, since since the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so the the culture drives towards certain things, and it and I agree with you, Mixer. It's the money. And and the whitewash over it, no racial overtones intended. <laughs> the, the whitewash over it is is a um, is the whole politically correct, as we used to say in the eighties, and now woke um, um, veneer that's supposed to make it more palatable. Although there's been some backlash, but ultimately, I don't see this crop of producers directors producing not most of them i don't see most of them producing much of anything different because that's who they are i think that's that's yeah. that's who they've been that's how they've grown up that's this is their this is it's it's there's something in their souls that actually well, drives what they do back to I, I the culture you know is it is it the culture or is it the shaping of the culture hmm. you know mm-hmm. is it the forcing of some new vision of culture because I, I mean, a, a great story, and what makes a great story hasn't changed in millennia. I think it's a little. I think it's a little bit of both. But I'm glad that Michael brings it up that that these people can't write anything other than what they are, and that's something that I preach all the time on on our Black Pill stream on Wednesday nights at at 9 p.m. But uh, talking talks about stream. The, I love that. Yeah, yeah. We Black Pill you on entertainment. Um, it's hey, okay Jonathan. Jonathan, can you move John Trent <laughs> down to Mixer's level? So I, I, I want to be a little <laughs> higher up now. Just, <laughs> just um, but but Tolkien talks about this in in the letters when he's asked about um, about the work being Catholic, and he's like, "Of course, I'm Catholic, so it's going to be it's going to be in my work as well." And I think you see that reflected in what these people made their whole like world vision, their, their ideology is in, injected into everything that they make. And that's why it, it, it sucks because their, their view of the world sucks. Yeah. Tolkien's, uh, I mean, it's all about worldview. Uh, it's all you know about what? that. And, and uh, if you can't grasp that, then you really can't touch it. And one of the things that Tolkien said in one of his, sorry, go ahead, Michael. No, 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 go. I was just going to say one of the things that Tolkien said when he was discussing um, you know, all the people who gave his book negative reviews. And it's, again, behind the Bible, it's the highest sold book of the last century. 
Um, and when he was asked about those criticisms, he was like, well, those people don't particularly like the way I write. And uh, I don't really particularly like the stories that they tell either. And the people that he was talking about are now in control of everything. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, it's yeah. an unfortunate reality That's of today. So sad. Uh, we brought up in our in our podcast a while back, we brought up um, and we're actually we're actually doing this in our uh, we have a we have our, mm-hmm. our discord channel members. If you go to the one we dot com slash members, you can become a member there. And we have a discord channel and we're going to be going reading through. And this is as as Michael said, I'm I am embracing the hoke. I think <laughs> the really hokey version of the book Taliesin by Stephen R. Lawhead, which were the rights were bought by the Daily Wire, which mm-hmm. uh, is interesting because it's going to be like a fantasy story told but with a smaller budget but by a media company that's still trying to make a mark so maybe the new good things have to come out of smaller places and hopefully all the money spent on all these things is just gonna eventually run out i mean i don't know is that well i don't know that it runs out but but i (laughs) I do think that cultures do change over time for better and for worse Uh, all the art all the artistic products of every culture. I mean, I'm a, my background's in history, so that's where my my proclivities lie. Yeah. Looking at different cultures over history, they only can produce. I mean, the the production of each culture is a reflection of the spirit of that culture and the intellectual traditions and the literary traditions and the views, metaphysical views of the universe, etc. And so, as our culture has changed our products have changed as well. We, we've become technically more proficient. Like I, I look at some of the shows I used to watch as a kid in the eighties and, and uh, the production value uh, of any, any, almost any show to in, in today's streaming world is, is, is hilariously higher, but the, the heart and the themes are, are less. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it, it, it is, but so the culture is going to have to change before we can get another Tolkien, I think um, in, but in the meantime, the question is how fast can the culture change? Will it change at all? Will it will it just go to sleep like Mixer is saying and then come back with a vengeance in a, in, a, in, in, a, in a few years? I don't know. I think that we're just going to continue to have to feed our own groups, you know, our own yeah. social circles. And that's really where the good products are going to come from. You know, as we go on, yeah. we continue to coalesce mm-hmm. around specific people, specific organizations. Daily Wire is a great example. Yeah. That's what it's going to look like. You know, the stuff that we like, the stories that we like, maybe won't be as popular as everything else. And that's fine. You know, we'll take it as long as it's a good story. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what I'm doing myself. I mean, I'm, I have right here Chuck Dixon's The Siege of the Black Citadel, which is a Conan story. Um, I've got Brian Niemeyer, who's a Catholic novelist. He has a, a two trilogies um, called Combat Frame, Exceed. And it's like a very similar if you're no mobile suit gundam it's very similar to that but um I, I they're really good stories and they're really interesting i mean there's tons of people doing stuff like that and it's uh just knowing finding them and and, and sharing them with other people yeah, ease of publication is a big plus in that regard in terms of turning that corner and, and creating new new content yeah and and distribution of uh marketing too right you're not stuck with the the, the your publisher's marketing firm either right you can and nowadays right you want you want to be you create your name before you publish, right? Before you get pub, sorry, before you get published by anybody with a publishing arm of any sort. So they always want to know now. Uh, so, uh, so what's your uh, what's your social media following like before they actually like commit to to you to to, to you at all? Because they want you, you to just, do the work for them, yeah, right? You can just 
you can also just step around them now because you've got Brandon Sanderson who made like $40 million on a Kickstarter last year. That's right. So, yeah. Although his co-host on his podcast gave the Rings of Power an 8 out of 10. So, well, (laughs) Brandon Sanderson is, he, he was also kind of like, he's connected with Amazon with the Wheel of Time and everything. So he was very, uh. He was. Let's say he wasn't very critical of the show, uh, but when he was talking about it, he 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 like he did make clear that there were things he didn't like, but he was he wasn't yeah. just kind of like trashing it, which he yeah. might actually believe me. Well, and is is this the screenshot of his face when his co-host first gives it an eight out of ten? I think tells you all you need to know. Like he he clearly does not hold it in high regard, um, <laughs> but yes, he was much more circumspect. He has business um, connections yeah. that he ha- he has to maintain. I understand. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, what yeah. He... but his Kickstarter was amazing. I I, I loved it. I, I'm a fan of his work. Um, he does an excellent job of world building in some cases. Uh, and he's one and of this the better. series is really good. Uh-huh. Did he good. talk much about Wheel of Time at all? All I hear is we bad ca- things. I, ha- we, I actually haven't ca- watched it. It's we, terrible. We, Don't mean, watch it. It is really awful. Um, but yeah, we. I mean. I've covered it when it came out and he was actually doing like sharing his notes and everything and the stuff that he um, disagreed with, but he wasn't like being overly critical or anything like that because obviously he's like Michael said, he's probably not trying to really burn bridges bridges. or anything like that. But um, he he did like, he did provide some, some critiques and some things that he didn't like, but he also said overall, he, he thought the show was good, but I don't know if I actually, I mean, I don't think he's lying, but I don't, I also think he might be, um, saying that just to kind of to not burn the bridges. <laughs> okay, that there was, you go. That was from the podcast. That was a little video I did a while back, like in December, and that was his reaction. Like, it's and that's yeah. and that's not just sort of a oh wow you've had a like like that's a surprising like rating. he's holding down a little vomit just a little that's, bit. It's like, yeah, that's that's a <laughs> that's a face that you make out of disgust. Yeah, here, here's uh, something Corey said in the chat that I think the people who imagine art for the world we live in today are extremely cynical about values generally and won't be corrected <coughs> by the market. At their core, they worship disruption, really. And that's true, but that's what they, like, I think she's right. That's what they've been taught in school, right? Art means questioning everything. It means not, you know, you can't be artistic if you're following the artists that came before you. You have to think of something new. You can't. You can't write classical music if that's already been done. You can't write prog rock if that's already been done, right? You're not a real artist. You're just copying other people. And I think that, so disruption, that's that's what's important. Well, and that's the, but I mean, obviously, I, I agree with Corey. In the first part of it, I do think, however, of course, like you're pointing out, Jonathan, that just their value, they have a value too. And their value is that what came before can't be good uh, in, a, right. in order to, that I have to change it. I have to put my own stamp on it in order for it to be good. Um, gone are the, the past days. Die. Kill it if you have to. <laughs> oh no! It's literally their motto. They put yeah. it in their movie. It's so true. I mean, it's they. They told us what they're doing. Yeah, you're not wrong. <sighs> not to interrupt you there. No, 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 no. <laughs> Steve. Steve, they, you made a, a great point earlier that I love. Is that like there actually is an objective way to tell a story, and stories right. have been objectively good or objectively bad for thousands of years. You know, yeah. and that is something that they refuse to put into their equation for anything that gets made today no i mean it's it's apparent it's in the this the rings of power there's literally no heart in it uh it's right off the bat it's it's basically saying tolkien's version wasn't good enough um it was good enough for us to take and do something with 
I keep seeing these quotes like uh, Warner Brothers. How, uh, let's see. However, the dazzle, they call it the dazzling universe dreamed up by J.R.R. Tolkien remains largely unexplored on film. Like jazz hands, the dazzling yeah, jazz, universe uh, yeah. of J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, and I see things like, you know, we need, it's not been fleshed out yet. And I'm like, but that's, it, it doesn't need to be. Uh, those big wide open spaces are, are what your imagination fills in. Uh, that's one thing I had a problem with them is going in and making these people um, like from the second age, you had this kind of mythological uh, status, I guess. Suddenly now I'm looking at them and seeing their day-to-day conversations and yeah. I'm, I'm kind of dreading any of that. Um, I, I love, um, and I hope the Silmarillion is left alone. Yeah. For that um, so, so I want to I'm going to bring us back around then to your first statement about Picard is that how do you think like how did something like that was was Picard season one or two so bad were, were fan, did they actually like do a study of fans and fans were like you know we really don't care about illegal immigration in 2023 or whatever year they put that in and making that the primary story for an entire season of Picard essentially uh, and nobody cares about these other characters that they came up with that they have to inject with any woke sensibilities that they possibly can. And so, but they came around and they had this guy and, and, the, and I, th- I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how he got involved in season two in order to, to have an in to the, to the producers uh, and to talk to, to like, um, uh, to Patrick Stewart and the other actors to say, here's my idea. Let's see if we can get this started. So he almost like, he slithered his way into the studio. To be I like, couldn't believe that this, that it was, it was done the way it was done. I, I, like I said, I kept waiting every episode right. that something weird's going to happen. It just didn't. It just delivered. And, and yeah. maybe somebody listened and somebody had the, you know, the wisdom to just step back and let somebody but I, with, with a, a, a sense of what the fans wanted out of that show. And I, I guess it kind of proves the point that, like, it's not coming from the studios. It has to come in from the back door. It has yeah. to come in. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. From, You're right. You know, sliding under the open window. And it's a, it's too late, something. I think, for Rings of Power. I think they just uh, dug in. You uh, know, I'd like. I don't even follow the news on on what they're doing in season two anymore. It's just so. They haven't really put anything out yet. Oh, Legolas is back. I think that's what, what I. <laughs> that's I, really? I think yeah, that's oh, no. what I read. They yes. better not. No, I, uh, I believe they have another. They, they have another. I think he's playing his sort. father. I think he plays his oh. grandfather. He plays his grandfather. Uh, so the actor, Orlando Bloom, not Legolas. Uh-huh. I should say. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Orlando Bloom will be back. That's oh, right. His grandfather's two. name starts with an O. I can't that's, remember his name. That's, that's Orifer, really. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Holy cow. How did you remember Orifer? That's amazing. I was like, oh, my <laughs> that, God. So that, that looks like it's an April Fool's joke from... Uh, uh, um, oh, from the one who got okay. They do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, why I, like, I don't do it. Crazy. We do not do April Fool's <laughs> stories because there's already too much fake crap out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, plus, your April Fool's story probably will end up becoming true in the next six months, and you have yeah. to be like, rescind your April Fool's of your April Fool's. And then it's just. People already think we're the Babylon Bee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the, they think the Babylon Bee is you. It's like a yeah. this whole like, you know, handshake you've got going on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, there's one thing like the Rings of Power did lose. What did I read on your article here, John? 63%, it was 63%. Of the, of the, uh, of yeah, that's the, according to uh, Kim Masters at the Hollywood Reporter. That's it. What by what by the end of the season or a completion rate? So sixty thirty yeah, of so, the hundred percent people who started, only thirty seven percent finished it. Yeah, in and, the U.S. 
in the and John, how does that stack up with other? I simply have no meter for is that any good or not. It's really hard. I mean, the streaming numbers are just really hard to tell. I would assume that's absolutely abysmal. Um, only thirty-seven percent of people like actually finishing the series when they start when, from when Objectively, they started. That stat came out. Yeah. I was also curious. Uh, you know, what is the average for just any show? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I've never. I mean, ob- objectively, thirty-seven percent can't be good. But how bad is it? I don't. And, know. A, and of that thirty-seven percent, how many were watching like I was just to hate on it? Yeah, Uh, those of us who finished it here were all like, "Oh no, actually, I had to finish it." We didn't. At least, yeah. So, like, that's like this is like this is the only time I've really ever seen this stat, like completion rate stat. I've never. It's usually it's usually just you just see watch time every week, and you can see that the watch time that Nielsen puts out, like it's in here, it declined almost every single week. I think it had a bump maybe in like episode six when people started binging it or whatever, but. For the most part, it was it was just declining every single week, and then I think the week after it finished, it just fell off the charts, which means no one was actually coming in and uh, and binging it afterwards. afterwards. Yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, to see where, where you where you can see in, on like Netflix, you compare stuff like that, like with the Wednesday show, it still stay it stay it has like a longevity, so people yeah. were clearly binging it, and they were binging it for a while, and they were getting new people coming in because the the numbers kept staying up because Netflix releases their stuff all at once whereas amazon was doing weekly oh, man that's i mean when i think about it there there are like i give up on a lot of shows i'll, I'll start a show and i'll be like i don't really want to finish it but then but but um for shows like that i, w- I, w- I would have stopped watching the rings of power if i didn't feel like i had to but like with picard i wanted to watch it in fact by the end of the season i was like oh it's it's actually coming out today i'm gonna watch it tonight right i was actually excited to, yeah. to see how they finished it because it was a story well told with characters that we liked uh and um and no preachiness none i mean and, and star trek is known for preachiness but they did it subtly and they did it within the story and they did it well uh whereas you know everything else has to be where there is love it is truly never dark or whatever that phrase was jeez oh, in the worst possible phrases so uh, and it's not all about like i mean usually for the most part especially the older stuff they were actually like seemingly decent values that they were pushing not not uh, immorality. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. You well, know, at least my brief I, I do want to say, I want to say, in fairness to the Rings of Power, I didn't. I expected more. I, I just going in, I expected to see more like woke garbage, and I didn't see that at all. The only example I could think of, which is refreshing to me, because I hate so I read so much of what comes out through a political lens. And I was just pleasantly surprised that, hmm. oh, okay, there's nothing here, except for the one gentleman who screams out to a crowd before, <laughs> before Air, our Farazan starts speaking. He yeah. says, uh, you know, the elves are going to come over here and they're going to take your jobs. Yeah, so, and, so, and I'm so watching that. Not... However, I do want to say, well, my one last point on that, I, I think that that was less of forced politics and more laziness on behalf of the writers, because they're trying to create, they're trying to convey and communicate the anxiety that Numenorian should be feeling about death um, and about elven culture. However, it's not thoroughly fleshed out enough in the show. So they have to create little other areas of anxiety to try and get that across. Um, so I think it was more lazy writing than anything else, but I was, I was happy with that. I was like, all right, at least there's no, woke politics and they had us prepared though for months to hate it for that reason 
and then we hated it for a whole <laughs> slew of other reasons. Exactly. Yep. I agree John? with it, it fell apart everywhere else. It's yeah. just what, what we, we say, all John? Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to, I mean, so I think you kind of clarified it there. You're talking specifically political wokeness rather than, I guess, the race swaps and then the characterization of Galadriel, which I consider those like default that like that is wokeness. So well, like, think, you kind of well, clarified it with political wokeness. I think with with diversity and everything, it's not that's going to be in anything that comes out, you know, so I, I, that's not stuff that that's not stuff that bothers me. Right. You know, that's any studio is going to have a diverse cast. I want the philosophical underpinnings so, of the show to bring honor to Tolkien. But that's what I'm mostly focused to bring on. it back. So you're never going to get that when they are already disrespecting the source material with the. Yeah. Very swapping now, so that's yeah, that's not something that really bothers me. Well, I so think. I think, but it comes back. Can like you name an what? example though of something like that? That what do you had the race swapping and and it stayed true to the to the underpinnings. I think that it's not something it, whether there's an example or not doesn't matter. It's it's something where it's like okay, if a character is played by like has slightly darker skin or whatever than you would have envisioned it it's not going to be as big of a deal. And it's not something that you should be as, as angry at if the show has heart and they show up and communicate those philosophical values that we want to see in the show. I, I, can I, let right, me say, but that's, yeah. well, ahead, I think Tom. it's like when, when they do this, right, they go into it to say like, okay, we've, we, we can't have just white elves, at least in the way they do it, right? We have to have a cross section. Look at the, the Harfoots. Ugh. Where they have that, every that's single a great example of a disaster. Like, that's that's. But it, you may you might say that's not explicitly like they're not saying they're not prosaically dictating what wokeism in in their uh, vocabulary in, you know in their interactions. But what they're showing us is like this was the idea. We had to have this idea in there that everything is multicultural, regardless, even if it makes absolutely zero sense. And so they're 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 giving us the symptoms of the bigger woke disease by showing us this is how we have to do it because it is the only good way anymore. Every, anything else is, is, no, is problematic and no longer valid when it comes to uh, establishing. That uh, would be my concern for diversity to bring up. I don't know. I, I hate all the new star Wars stuff that comes out. However, I did like Andor. I really, mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. It was the best of the, um, the ones recently. And, a great example of that done properly is in Andor when they're showing this homo- what's supposed to be a homogenous tribe, right? On his home world of Andor, I think it's called. Um, everybody looks the same. Yeah. And that helps ground you as a person in the story. Like if I'm watching, to go back to the Rings of Power, if I'm watching the Harfoots who are supposed to be this wandering homogenous tribe of nomads, they should all look pretty similar. And if they don't, it's going to, take me out of the story because i'm like exactly how are these people related when they look completely different so that would be my concern is with storytelling as long as we're grounded in the story the storytelling was awful um the writing was unbelievably bad Um, i i will take issue tremendously with the character of galadriel because i love the character of galadriel i think she is in fact one of the most powerful characters in Tolkien's writing, um, although she wasn't obviously one of the nine walkers in the, in the Lord of the Rings, but she, she, and, and they ruined her, her character. Even, I know the excuse was, well, this is young Galadriel, which I don't think you understand what that means. If you, if you're claiming that's a young Galadriel, she's already thousands of years old and, yeah. and you're going to claim that in the next thousand, all of a sudden she has a complete care, like some immature teenager that's growing a, up, growing up child. into an adult. 
Yeah, it was it was terrible. It was it was awful. Um, we're talking about Galadriel's character, or at least we're talking about the larger issue of uh, around Rings of Power. Uh, Mr. Carswell, as you've just uh, joined us, yes, and our favorite Harfoots. Yes, yes. I think um, another thing that made Galadriel so unlikable too was the lack of ability to relate to the character at all, because you already have this kind of superhuman aspect to her, right? Because she is. She has been to the Undying Land. She's touched by the light of the Valar. So she can just do things that other people may not be able to do. So there's already that aspect. But when there is never any sense of vulnerability coming from a character, it's impossible for your audience to relate to that person at all. And that's pretty much how it was until like the last episode, um, you know, when she has that confrontation with Halbrand, who is Sauron, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> The worst, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Halbro, Hal as we we call right. them throughout our podcast. Here we go. The best <laughs> scenes in the entire show. <laughs> oh my god! Jonathan had to do this to us. Uh, the yep. So yeah, I, yeah, I'm really no, curious. No vulnerability, but the, the writing was just unbelievably poor. It was unbelievably poor. They the writers themselves they didn't even pay attention to what to what they had told us from from episode to episode and you know the geography was all up. And you know what's interesting is that uh, geography just like ethnicity of a closed group like you were mentioning mixer um geography matters in a fantasy story. You have to you have to be able to immerse your you know, can I say I really appreciate this this screenshot? Thank you, for, thank you, Jonathan. This is Brie Larson right here from uh, Captain Marvel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but they, they they got it all wrong. They don't know how to immerse anyone in um, in Middle Earth, and 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 then they're then they they had these this writing which was absolutely terrible, um, and and that just ruined it all. I agree with you, Mixer. Not too many overly political move, uh, uh, moments, politically woke. But I, I do think that the substructure of the postmodern woke movement includes that forced inclusivity. You know, the Harfoot tribe has to look like I'm walking down New York City streets or something like that, which is which is absurd. Nobody, nobody would actually think that, um, nor would anyone of right mind be offended by the fact that they're, the, this tribe of, of close knit um, uh, creatures is is homogeneous. Um, no, nobody would be offended by that. Nobody who, who matters anyway. Yeah, but, but... And, and that's not. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's that's not what I was referring to when I when I said you know the the diversity. I think like if you're going to tell a story proper and there's a group of people who are supposed to be close, tight knit, one culture, they should all also look the same because you're just automatically assuming that you know they're very tight knit genetically. Um, however, if the diversity was different in a sense that, oh, this group of, let's say, Sylvan Elves were spending this amount of time in the South, so they mm -hmm. their features look differently than other elves living in the North. You know, that isn't something that I think that somebody should have a problem with. Your focus Absolutely. more should be on what is the message that's being given to me yeah. and, you know, your children when you're when you're bringing your kids to watch it, maybe. You know, what's the agenda here is is also more what I'm focused on also is storytelling and sticking to the lore, which, I mean, we all know that was that was a mess. But so, yeah. so the, the casting is part of the agenda. I mean, they literally have quotas. Amazon has made it very public that they have the quotas, and those are part of the agendas. So, I mean, I, I really fail to understand that kind of critique. I, I think that that is part of the agenda, the whole race swapping. And, and I think you're, you're not going to get the philosophical underpinnings 
if you're already starting off with a with a casting agenda because hmm. you're already starting off on the wrong foot there because you're I mean, and, and you said you couldn't name an example, so I like I haven't I haven't seen an example of of a of a race swap being done with an agenda where they stay true to the source material. There are times where I feel like it's like when when you have if it's like if it's a if it's a story that takes place in our world, and if the original author is involved, and they're like, okay, I like the way that this person acts, I just want to put him in. Like to me, that's that's less of a problem than if it was. If if it's if it's been ethnically written and you start trying to force um, varied ethnicities into places where it just doesn't belong, like if you like I I, I don't care that that if if for some reason um, you know in Star Trek they have some character in a book that's Asian and they decide to make it Hispanic, like if it's the same character to me that doesn't really bother me, or if it's white or whatever, it doesn't bother me because it still will make sense in that world unless it's part of that person's character and they're celebrating like Cinco de Mayo and, and they look like they're from South Korea. That doesn't really work a whole lot necessarily. It could, I guess. Okay. I'm sorry. Maybe it could. Don't yell at me. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. So, okay. So I, I did have what I, well, I, I did have just one other question. Like, what did you make of the uh, Galadriel literally basically going to Valinor and then she decides she has like the flashback to her brother and then she jumps off the ship. Like, what did you think of it? Because that was that to me was like this show has it was over at that point for me. Was like, there was there a shark in the show. water that they did she jumped over? As she, <laughs> I mean, she jumped. So for so for me it was it, the, that scene for me was like Valinor was evil and she had to like go back and and she was like rejecting it. I I've heard people try and explain it that she she was like oh no she's recognizing that there's still evil in the world and that's why she has to go back and and fight it. Mm. Um, but the way that it was juxtaposed to me and shot was more like she was touching Valinor and Valinor was like this evil entity that she had to reject. Hmm. So I just want, and to me, that was just kind of how, like I was just out of it. Cause I thought that was just an absolutely terrible message. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't take that away from that shot of Valinor. Mm. What I took away from their portrayal of the elves in the boat who were with her as they approached Valinor was the sort of ham, typical ham fisted um, modern um, way of treating people that are sort of re- believe in things like the, the, the pure good and such, which is, you know, making them two dimensional and sort of almost brainwashed Um so I, I saw that a little bit, but I didn't see her seeing Valinor as evil. I do think it was it was she was at, at, in turmoil herself. Now the idea that she would, of course, then decide well, then what that means is instead of catching it, because anyone that knows <clears throat> Middle Earth, of course, knows that she's going to have to call, go to Tolarasea first, and so she could catch a ship back. But um, instead of anything like that, and she decides to you know jump in an ocean and swim the Atlantic, um, you know, back to Middle Earth, is it, it, that's just the, the height of stupid. I just it's just stu- such lazy writing. It's so bad. Uh, you actually lasted longer than I did, Trent. You uh, you lasted to that point. I lasted to the point where she slew the friggin' snow troll without a scratch yeah. and like foot let it was in the very yeah. beginning and i was like oh man okay so you didn't even make it to the show because that was in the trailer <laughs> i saw I that in the, the trailer. trailer i was yeah like, well yeah. I, they all put it together in the show and i was like nope nope not gonna yeah. you mean after Actually, she watched do... she she watched the troll crush her Everybody she calmly so. watched the troll <clears> crush <throat> her, her uh, yeah. soldiers without ma- lifting a finger oh, um to respond to uh john's question i actually felt the same thing 
during that scene. Um, <laughs> after that scene, if you, uh, it, so I have a podcast, the middle earth mixer. Uh, I did a review of that episode. And I remember one of the things that I said was a huge problem for me is if that is, if that ultimately throughout this season ends up being a decision that assists her, because we all know that it is the will of the Valar therefore the will of Iluvatar in Middle-earth for all of the elves to be residing in Amon. It's a form of rebellion that they continue to stay in Middle-earth. So her rejection of Amon in that moment, I saw as a huge problem. And I said, she better not be rewarded for this because that's completely against what Tolkien would have wanted. It's not even the correct story. Um, yeah. Although I, I will say, remember it was the, it was the, it was the Valar who wanted them to come to Amon. And there were plenty like, uh, 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 King Thingol, who never even like who decided to stay back, and it was there. She was being called. She was being exiled. There, but she, right? she—that was where she was from, and she wanted to come back. This is now getting deep into this. She wanted to come back because she was exiled, right? She, so it's not that it's not that all the elves, I think, were meant to be in Amon. And this could be—I don't know if that—if if he actually wrote that anywhere. So I actually I think, disagree. I, I think no, all okay. the all the elves have been called to Amon, and you know whether they. That's why when Legolas in the Return of the King, if you you read the book, when he looks out over the ocean and hears the calls of the gulls, mm -hmm. it sticks with him because all the elves at the core are actually not supposed to be in Middle Earth. So when I saw that, I was like, but oh, they were no, born in that's Middle Earth, man. Problem. They were born in Middle Earth. They were only called because Orome was there hunting some stuff from 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 Morgoth back in the day. Right, oh, but Michael, he was you're, there. You're, you're, you're muted, Michael. You're Michael, muted, Michael. You're muted. Was it the will? Was it the will of of Iluvatar uh, for them to be there, or or the Val, or simply the Valar? Because I, I get your point. I, I, um, it's a genuine question. Like, I remember debating this, reading through the Silmarillion last time. Were the uh, were was it a mistake for the Valar to insist that the elves all come to Amon? Um, I feel like that's I remember there being I remember there being some insinuation that it was the will of the Valar and not necessarily Iluvatar's will. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you. In other words, there isn't a what. What I I think we do need to be careful of is there isn't a one to one correlation between Iluvatar's will and and the Valar's will. Even Manwe, who is closest in thought to Iluvatar, um, there. Mm -hmm. So so sometimes the Valar make mistakes in clearly in in um, and Tolkien even calls it out a few times um in in the Silmarillion and so so I it is interesting what is clear though about the question of of Galadriel and the Noldor is they did go to to to, to Valinor mm -hmm. they saw the light of the two trees their leaving which turned into an exile under the doom of Mandos was a was in fact a punishment and the, the inability to come back. So, in a, you, I, I think a very powerful argument can be made that the Noldor at least belong in Amon now. She uh, even says that after rejecting the ring. So here, I will now, right? I will read you exactly That's what it right. says in the Silmarillion, and, and we're probably losing like all our listeners now because. <laughs> but uh, he, he, this is what um, after Manwe sat long and thought upon upon Taniquetil, and he sought the counsel of Luvatar. Uh, he said to the Valar, this is the counsel of Iluvatar in my heart, that we should take up again the mastery of Arda at whatsoever cost and deliver the Quendi from the shadow of Melkor. So for them, it was the delivering of the elves from the shadow of Melkor uh, in order hmm. to, to draw them uh, into the light, so to speak. To come to Amon. To come right. to Amon, yeah. Does that mean that the Sylvan elves are so he, belong... He, 
I don't know because he uh, maybe because he does say it is the council of Iluvatar in my heart. So Mixer's got a point. Hmm. And yet, and yet, the thing is with okay because. <laughs> There's no forcing with Iluvatar. So, so what, this is one of the things Tolkien harps on so much in his themes is that the, the attempt to compel um, something that someone doesn't want to do is, in fact, the root of evil. Uh, and so, and so the the elves are are, tr- are drawn to, to to Amon, but they aren't compelled. And 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 so there's a whole all the more Quindy, um, be they of Sindar or Sylvan or whatever. Those are the elves that never left. They never left Middle Earth. Um, interesting that you bring up Mixer on a, on a related topic, the call uh, in Legolas's heart of the ocean, because I see those as two different themes. We, we've been slow rereading the Silmarillion, and the call of the ocean is is not um, correlated exactly with the drawback to Amon, although it sometimes comes with it. And the reason I give for that is that the elves that that the Teleri that sit, that sail the ships. They often don't even dwell in Valinor. They, the ocean has its own call to them that they live. They will live on the coasts of Valinor or even on the coast of Middle Earth, and it's the ocean has its own pull um, and draw to them. Being the being, uh, well, what's the line, Jonathan? Um, that the ocean has of all the th- things in Middle Earth, it has the, ocean the echoes has of the music of the Einar. the clearest echoes of the music of the of of, of the Einar. and so. So, um, so I, I actually see those the sea longing and the longing for the light of Valinor as. Um, sometimes related, but not necessarily the same thing. All I right, see your okay. point. I think yeah. I read it as as definitely a call to go west. But yeah, I, I definitely is, see where you're coming this, from, Michael. This is why I love having these conversations because it's not like absolutely 100, percent but it makes me think harder about it every time we go into it. Right. So anyway, so Galadriel, Valinor, Valinor is not evil. You're right, John Trent. I feel like that was a stupid way because they never established where she was really going anyway. They never established like what the, her vision in the beginning of like <laughs> as has. Corey said again, sometimes you have to touch the darkness. Well, the ship uh, touch the darkness to recognize up from down, or I can't remember that exact line, but, uh, right. So the things she learns in Valinor, which were like, how do you know there's darkness? Because at that point there was no darkness really yet at all. Because there were the trees and Melkor really hadn't come yet and all that sort of stuff. But, um, they, they didn't establish that Valinor was good or that's even where she was necessarily like 100% going like, this is the place because this giant weird tunnel of, or like, like vertical, gate of light. light opens up which people have called it other things but uh <laughs> it <laughs> kind of looks like the eye of sauron <laughs> yeah, that's right so it just yeah it's it it started poorly it ended poorly and it lost two-thirds of the people that were watching it i mean most of the people that i that that i uh know who wa- started watching it didn't finish my brother who's read lord of the rings loved the movies all that sort of stuff uh, a couple of my brothers-in-law too here they just decided not to watch it after seeing the beginning and most people i know who who did finish watching they're like yeah, it's fine. Like that, which is kind of the kiss of death because you're not aching for it. You don't really want it. You're not going to see it. You're not going to like tell people about it. There's nothing there. If you're just saying, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I have five teenage and adult children, not to count the others. And they, they couldn't be bothered. Not a single one of them finished (laughs) uh, finished rings of power. Walked off after the first episode. (laughs) That's right. Uh, all right. So there is one other thing coming out. I want to talk about because we're, we're going wild here, but, um, it's, it's the Gollum game. And uh, have you guys have you guys seen much of it? Have you looked at the trailers at all? I could show part of it, but then I'd be like they'd, they'd remove me. I got I got to read you a, a comment I saw on the trailer <laughs> uh, of the Gollum game. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the climbing, the crawling, the shadows, the rock throwing, 
the crawling. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to pay seventy bucks to crawl and climb as oh, we Smeagol. <laughs> yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't look good. Yeah, you what, forgot about the the sneaking. The sneaking. What special yeah. powers? What special non-lore <laughs> powers are they going to attribute to him to make the game more fun? I, I, I jumping. I, I mean, is, this is like. I don't know. The way I look at it, it's like Assassin's Creed Middle Earth, but without anything yeah. interesting in it. Like maybe, what... maybe you get to eat like a fish in slow motion or something like that. <laughs> you have a mirror, <laughs> and you have to decide which character you're going to be. Is you going to be Smeagol uh, I, or Gollum? Look, I'm a uh, guys. I, I, I've been I've been a gamer since the '80s. Um, I I love games. I've been playing Lord of the Rings online mm-hmm. um, for the 16 years it's been out, and this to me, which by the way, the the graphics in that trailer. They look exactly like Lord of the Rings Online. Like it's sixteen-year-old graphics in this game, which is terrible. And he kind of he kind of looks terrible, honestly. Well, Ed, he and looks like Gollum. I mean, I looks like a nineteen saying a lot. Nineteen okay. eighties <laughs> horror movie that's a baby coming to kill you. That's what it. That's what I like. I think of or something like that. Right? So, and everything, every single thing about this game is wrong. Like the first of all, the idea of let's talk about from the principles that we're supposed to identify with Gollum. This is a creature that literally creeps into villages and eats babies out yes, of their cradle. He's, he's okay? a psychopath. This is a psychopathic murderer completely corrupted by the ring. Yes, Iluvatar uses him as his tool and yes, by his and and, and through sympathy and pity, um he he is he is becomes the instrument of the destruction of the Dark Lord um ultimately. But there's nothing sympathetic about him, and it, it, except like one or two moments in the in the in the in Middle right. Earth in the in the Lord of the Rings, and it's and the idea from a gameplay perspective, he is he's gross. He's he does nothing. He's he. I mean, he's pathetic and yeah. evil. Like what? Yeah. At least with Assassin's Creed, you got a lot of cool outfits. Uh, and, and you, yeah. what this are we was, looking at here, there? Hold on. This this is so uh, Semtex in our chat. He brought up this point. Did you hear they're locking Sindarin's speech in the new home game behind a paywall? Uh, I guess that's what? an elf. But I guess there's <laughs> elven voice on. acting. <laughs> you have to pay to hear the elves. Otherwise, they sign to you or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's ridiculous. This uh, is the worst idea for a game true. I've ever Dude, look it up. There are tons of articles about it. Tons of articles <laughs> about it. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Can you believe that? That's like, I hate being nickel and dimed on games. Some of the uh, outcomes of the game are supposed to be, you know, Smeagol choices that you make versus Gollum choices that you make, and but at some point, all that begins to shape the the character and the events around you in the game. I guess, it, but, it, but it's it's a fixed character too. We know what happens. There's there's no there's not even the element of freedom, which is so key yeah. to good video games. Which is you know you you actually get to shape your own fate. There's no shaping of anything. It's you know, you're going to end end up in the same place. The mouth of Sauron in it, but he's got no. he kind of looks like the Inquisitor from Star Wars, and he's, yeah. but he's wearing this like hoodie that has a bunch of human teeth Likes. like in the yeah, I saw that yeah. It's crazy. To yeah. Look. I mean, there's I, a I, point I where that. you're creating something and, you know, you think this, hey, this looks pretty good. And maybe you ask a few people and, you know, oh, yeah, that's real nice. Keep keep up good work. And, and then, and then <laughs> yeah. at a the point you have to, before you've gone too far, you have to go, wait a minute. Now, 
is this really <laughs> great you know oh, no. and you and you stop and you try something different oh, my God. and uh and they just didn't they that's, didn't that's stop it's like, like an example somebody lied somebody was lying to these people i mean yeah, yeah look at that like, and, was like this is gonna oh man this is gonna be the like scariest thing ever but there's no turning back now it's <laughs> oh. it's, it's too late oh, i've been asking out. simply for like an oblivion open world elder scrolls style middle earth game for Elder like Scrolls, two decades yeah and all i get is loader online which i refuse to play <laughs> <laughs> well well I, I mean i'm with you on the oblivion i've been playing elder scrolls as well for decades and um i would love that i mean this this like that image right there it just looks like tim burton does lord of the rings I mean, <laughs> it's not even it's, uh, oh, it's just it's, bad it, yeah well it's i mean not okay it's not right it's not a tier one game what do they call that when it's a top he's got like a poncho on it's not exactly <laughs> But it's like it's cultural appropriation right there. Yeah, I'm gonna try. Hey guys, I'm gonna try and live stream it. I started setting it up here so I could actually like play it live. We'll see how that actually works <laughs> out. But here's my prediction, right? And I met Michael. Maybe you'll hate me for this. I don't know. Is that it'll probably be worse than like Shadows of Mordor, Shadows of War, whatever the the, the Lord of the Rings games that came out between Celebrimbor and that other dude who was infested with Celebrimbor. He was taken over. Whatever he was. Uh, yeah, and then Italian, he'd take control uh, yeah, of orcs, and it, okay, if it wasn't Lord of the Rings games, it was actually kind of fun. But it was oh, a it game, was a, so nobody took it as like, like gameplay. Is Shadows Mordor is, but is like this here, it's like what are you going to do as Gollum? Like you said, are you going to like wrap him over the head with a stone and then go invisible, or is like what? Uh, we'll see, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know. I I'm going to play it. Hope if yeah. anything, just to play ironically and give commentary. If we could about do it. multiplayer, one is Gollum, one I will Smeagol, watch your videos. That would be awesome. That'd be great. I'd love to. Oh man. Okay. I will yeah. say I think that I think the actual like the world looks really cool though. Aside from the character designs, like some of the world the world the stuff the world screenshots do look pretty cool. At least the stuff from pre alpha that yeah. they that I looked at when we covered. Oh, I haven't seen the is it was it were they in the trailer or not? Um this was from like twenty twenty one, so Oh okay. It's like yeah, the last time we covered it because they, they I... delayed it so long. It's been delayed like a couple times now, I think. Yeah, I just saw the gameplay trailer and I was not impressed. But um, I'm a I'm a sucker for good for good vistas and uh, the geography of it. I thought it, I thought it looked like, pretty good back back in alpha pre alpha. Maybe I'll I'll play it just to just to have the vistas. I think they feel like they have to make it look like Gollum from the films, but they can't make it look too much like Gollum from the films. Hmm. So yeah. you get you get a, a halfway done Gollum that doesn't look anywhere near let's see if i can you know like this one right here right where you get that sort of weird weird face and so the vistas are easy to do because like unreal engine was it five they're on now yeah it look i mean it's amazing yeah. what you like the real realism that they can do in it and it's not that hard because it's used right they use it all over in the mandalorian book of boba fett and all the new shows in order for those huge screens so they don't have to That's do right. um post uh, post-production on that sort of stuff uh but uh I don't know. I don't know how, how good it's going to be. It's so easy to be negative without it. I mean, I hope it's good. I hope it's enjoyable. I'm going to pay for it, so it better be a little bit. But but what are what are you – imagine this, Jonathan. Imagine it's the per, okay. it's as good as it could possibly get in your own mind. Yeah. What are you going to get out of it? What are you going to enjoy about it? Something brief enough that it's interesting enough to keep me going to, to figure out, like, like, that they actually cared enough to tell a good story. Uh, okay. about Gollum. He's going to get the interaction with the people watching him play. 
<laughs> right, that's right. That's right. We're chatting with people while, I, while I'm playing the whole thing, and that, that's about the most I'm going to get out of it. That's fair. I mean, I'm going to get a lot of, if I play this, I'm going to get a lot of hilarious commentary from my children that are watching me play it. But that's about it. That's the most I'm going to get out of it. Maybe. I will say they, they massacred my man, Thranduil. He, he, he looks crazy in it. Oh, he's got like a, he's got like antlers coming out of his head and he's wearing like a dress. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Mixer, what did you think it's becoming of the, the Thranduil in uh, trans the Thran. <laughs> It's I was say, agenda, what you, man, it's everywhere. <laughs> what do you think of Thranduil in the Hobbit movies as far as the look of him? Oh, uh, what's his name? Um, he killed it. Yeah, uh, that uh, that actor. He was one of my my favorite parts of the. I think the Hobbit films. If you there's a bunch of fan edits out there. If you take a bunch of stuff out, there's a good movie in there somewhere. And people did a really good job in certain spots, but you know, it's like a one hour fan edit. Where they, just, they took just the stuff from the books and they put them together. It's as they say, like butter scraped over too much bread. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been one or two movies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at them. Ooh. Oh, look how cool. they massacred my boy. Yeah. He's got that's like such... a panpipe around his head. Giant they did the same pipe. thing with the Gandalf sword too, though. The sword is in like literally the same location for uh, Gandalf. Oh, what like, is right everyone front, like, a... can't actually walk with it because yeah. you're bending yeah. it everyone... the entire time? They they all stand yeah. like they're they're wearing corsets. I, I don't. Yeah. This is this yeah. well. I mean, those that, those are those, that's, that's a standard. That's the like, model. I understand. Model. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah well, Lee Pace did a great job as Thranduil. In the Lee Pace. Lee Pace. Yeah. There you go. He was also yeah. good in that show about like the 1980s computer stuff. What was that called? Uh, shoot, now I'm not gonna. Anyway, he was the he was just recently in that Apple show, um, sci-fi show. I forget where they race swapped everyone to. Um, <laughs> uh, he was like Foundation. The Foundation. That's it. Yeah. That's right. Oh yeah. He he was he a great played Ronan I, I too. Think, halt and catch was... fire. That was a great. That was a really interesting show. I like that. I think it was Peter Jackson in an interview one time where he was like, you need somebody who looks old enough that they could have, you know, 5,000 years of wisdom dwelling inside of them, but also young enough to show that they don't age. And I feel like Lee Pace was, he was great for that role. He he was good. Yeah. Yeah, He played it well. All right. right. So before we close out, which I think we we got another 15, 20 minutes to go, but I want to, who's been following this here, this guy, Oh my goodness, dude. I think I Mixer, have, you have. You need to tell us about this. this. Tell, tell us all about this. Yeah, because... I want to hear Mixer's take on this. So there is there is this lunatic who wrote a story called um, War of the Rings, The Fellowship of the King. And it's basically, <laughs> it's basically like if there was more rings of power out there that were not talked about in the rest of the story. And then... I, you know, I read the synopsis of it. It was like Sam's daughter, uh, Rosie the Second, like goes on this adventure <laughs> on on behalf of King Elisar, and uh, Aragorn's son goes with her, and they collect a, a bunch. Is of Is he saying characters. it's Lord of the Rings? Is it? Did mm-hmm. he? He's he saying it's in the same universe, and okay. I I don't know how he hasn't been sued into oblivion yet. But like, well, well he wasn't big enough to be sued. He's yeah, I big. guess that was it. <laughs> But even I was threatened with a lawsuit from uh, the Tolkien estate at one point for owning the domain Tolkien online. Oh, really? Yeah, they did. I had it for three years. Once the movies were over, they were like, yeah, so you're not allowed to have that anymore. Give us all the money you ever made on the site. And I'm like, we made like $700 in the last three years. Here they said, we'll take it. Yeah, They said, we'll take it. And I was like, well, I can't fight this. And so anyway, yeah. 
Yeah, I was Wait, really? Say, they won that? Well, I, I or you don't want to get tied up. I didn't want to get tied you up. You didn't want to go to court for 700 bucks. I'm not going to go yeah, 700 right. bucks. You know what it was is we had these little pins that uh, the, that were our logo that resembled Tolkien's uh like T O R J R R type of little logo that's on the spine of every book and we kind of oh. modified a little bit and made it look like T O R and they were like it's too close and I'm like I don't think so. I think it's actually like at least 30% different. And uh yeah, hmm. they just yeah, they, did, they didn't like us having the name Tolkien online at the time, and so they took that domain. They were the anyway, hundred pounds. Sorry, anyway. go ahead, mixer. I, I apologize. No, no, you're good. It was it was a great. <clears throat> it was cathartic it was... for me to finally release that into the public. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it adds a lot of depth to like the situation because I, that is a great example of something the Tolkien estate will do. You know, they they're yeah. pretty they're pretty lawsuit happy uh, from what I've read. And this guy was just operating under the radar. And he even at one point had, I don't know how he did it, but edited in his own name as one of the authors of the Fellowship of the Ring on Amazon. Oh, really? <laughs> I do not know how this was done. But yeah, no. there was like a period of a couple months where it said, and it's, um, he has a, like a really difficult, um, like, is this like, is he some kind of performance artist or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, he has, he only has like, he only has like 200 followers on Twitter. Is, is some random his real name is, his real name is Demetrius Polycron. Uh, yes. Yeah. It sounds like something from like an Orson Scott card ender book. Are you sure this isn't chat GPT? <laughs> so, I, feels see, like I love I, I love weird guys like it's it's one of my favorite things to just like find a guy who's weird and like become obsessed with them for like a month and this yeah, is yeah. just this is the perfect definition of a weird guy and I don't know how he's managed to get away with this for so long but he literally has a book out that is an entire there it is right there an entire story based off of the Middle Earth universe it's like a sequel and which was now, which was hilariously on Amazon for a while, and yes. they've they've now pulled it, of course. But <laughs> uh, professional man, picture as well, right there. It's a great headshot. Not only had the audacity to do this, right? This is far enough. He is now suing the Tolkien Estate <laughs> and Amazon, claiming that they they stole scripts from okay. his original writing that he had presented to Simon Tolkien, who Simon Tolkien apparently stole it and added it into the script of the Rings of Power. <laughs> I haven't been able to. Well, I wouldn't put that past alleged, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. I haven't been able to find like what exactly it is that he's talking about. However, I mean, like, who does that? Like, this yeah. guy is incredible. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. The, the sheer huts. The sheer I shared hutspot. it on Twitter, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's suing Amazon. Let them yeah. fight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's like <laughs> round one. Uh, I have a feeling he's not going to stand a chance. Sadly. Or, no. uh, sadly, or he, is that sadly? I don't know. That's maybe the worst thing. He say. is riding. He is just riding the, the grifter wave. He is Grifton King right here. Yeah, that's there's no doubt there. Two hundred and fifty million. Is that the lawsuit? He's got. <laughs> is it? He's got. He's yeah, got one and a half thousand views on his interview for the Fellowship of the King. But but his okay. But just how how crazy would it be though? The Fellowship I mean, of you know, the King. He's, <laughs> he's obviously right. You know. So so he he obviously you know like has has done this, like, you know, doing this thing where he's writing this book that's completely based in Tolkien's universe. And of course, like, you know, he, so he's the one that's doing the copyright infringement and all this kind of stuff. But, uh, how crazy would it be if like, if they had like handed over this book to Amazon and they're like, Hey, this is pretty good. Let's use some of the stories. Right. Even though he doesn't have a foot to stand on. Right. But sense. it still comes out that like, 
Actually, yeah, I guess we could, did kind of do that, but we still like have to do it. So it's okay. <laughs> if there's like, yeah, 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 we just, real emails start getting released, internal memos, and they're like, "The Fellowship of the King, guys, have you read this? Have you read this?" <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't put it past the writers. It's not like they came up with anything, you know, <laughs> better than the Fellowship of the King, since ships look down and ships look up and rocks look down. Oh my gosh. Wow. We got like the crazy. I've never seen anything quite like this before. I, I didn't realize he got his name on the Amazon's copy of the Fellowship of the Ring or on the Lord of the Rings or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. They corrected it, I think, like as recently as last week. Oh, well, why would, why would you even that. do that, though? Like, why? Like, does he want to claim that he had some part in writing Fellowship of the Ring? <laughs> That's the incredible oh. part of about it is this is a man of mystery. Oh I need God. to know Somebody, more. <laughs> he's this is just completely nuts, or he's or he's some kind of uh, performance artist. Like this is all just one big like one epic troll, you yeah. know? Yeah, uh, but it's 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 one of those things that would have to be years in the making, you know? Yeah. Like was was Fellowship of the King part of the troll? Did he think of this like two decades ago? I need to know. <laughs> if they can get him on on uh, Friday Night Tights with Nerdrotic and everybody there, that would be interesting because boy, would he be ripped around a lot. That would be funny. That, that I would I would I would tune I would, in for that. I don't one. Know if, yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, between guys, what's what? What is there good coming out in the world of JR? I hope Warner Brothers does something good because all this stuff it's so easy to look at. And I have I I I have I'm not completely um, black pilled on War of the Rohirrim. I think there's a, yeah. there's a chance there's a chance it might it might have some good stuff. I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat on that. Yeah, it, it does have the. Um, Did does anybody the pick up the the new? Uh, I guess it's the fall of Numenor. Mm-hmm. The book. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's was just, that kind of a response to to the Amazon? Stuff, no, that was maybe? done by it, Amazon. They wanted. Yeah, I think it was. They, oh, they did on behalf of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What were you going to say, Trent? Yeah, just uh, if you pull up that tweet, the producer, the executive producer for the War of the Rohirrim, shared confirmed that there's new concept art with the the giant elephants, the elephants, whatever that aren't really called elephants. Let me bring that up. The Mumakil. Yeah. Here we go. Sorry, everybody. Uh, come on. We are professional. Ah, cool. All right. Well, they're they're certainly Peter Jacksoning it. Yeah. Well, no, they're but no, they're not. I, I we we had an in depth discussion in my house at dinner one night following the rereading of. Can I come to two, your house for dinner sometime? Because those sound way more interesting than in depth discussions <laughs> at my house. <laughs> Where my kids were talking about comparing the movie um, Muma Kill to the way Tolkien describes them in the Two Towers, when you know even through the eyes of Sam as he's watching the battle with the Rangers of Athelion and the Haradrim, um, and and um, this is actually more like the size that Tolkien describes them, which are he describes them as distinctly larger than the animals that we have that are like them today, namely elephants, mm-hmm. and. And but um, the size of a house, a large house or something. So, but not the size. I mean, like the the, the Mumox in in the Peter Jackson movies are ridiculous. They're, I mean, circulation doesn't work on a creature that size. So, Wait, right. are you telling me that Legus, Legolas didn't climb an elephant the size of a building? <laughs> well, it was a let, down the nose. They're like fifteen. St- I don't know what they were. They're, they're, they were like a ten-story building instead of a house. So everything um, is bigger. Yeah. One wonders why they didn't send them in first. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Holding them back. <laughs> yeah, they were just at the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so this is I like this artwork. This is good. This is the more more the right size and yeah. I'm, so I'm but it, is this is this um is this concept art or is it says yeah. the first look at the anime? Yeah, so that the so if you it says that it'll be at Annecy, which is the animation film festival in in um, France, but he confirms here. So that guy Clark Nova One is Jason Demarco, who is the mm. um, executive producer. He's a bit yeah, you can see right there. He's or producer. Yeah. Um, he confirms that that is concept art in the thread. Okay, okay, man. Well, I mean, it looks good I, for me. I just I think anime is like it doesn't ever feel as real to me as like actually doing a film or a TV show that with with live action people and so i feel like it's always second rate like a video game like i don't take it as seriously and that's my own shortcomings i know i can deal with it but it's just not as interesting to me as like a, a real world type of story or i know i didn't bring this up earlier but here's all the the real world stuff that we see in the golem game too oh yeah um yeah, sorry, was, i wasn't looking was... at the private chat enough to get the links yeah yeah it's a... Yeah, I'm actually, office, I'm really excited because I actually, and I'm not like, I'm not a big anime guy or anything. Um, but I do think that animation is a great medium for a fantasy. Uh, and yeah. I think that if the right people, and admittedly, I don't know a whole, I don't know a whole lot about the people who are managing it, but I am excited at the prospect of, you know, something that could be akin to, and I'm sure everybody in this chat will have, um, strong opinions on it and i, I don't want to rustle any feathers what? but Us? i really <laughs> i really liked the clone wars i thought it was i thought it was a good I've show heard a lot of people say that and uh yeah it, it had no business being that good it was like a kid's cartoon and it was, yeah. it was, it was well pretty... look my 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 teenage daughter who's read the silmarillion six times loves clone wars as well so yeah. she's she's a she's a fan i felt like a lot of heart and passion went into it and i could see something like this developing in the same way is are these flamethrowers up here that's what I was thinking. Is that like Greek fire? <laughs> yeah, right. I think, I think Torch. those are part of. I think they're torches on the um, structure. Yeah, oh, yeah. It looks like right there. Yeah, okay. they're yeah. part of the structure of the thing. It's dangerous. Yeah. These guys—they didn't know yeah. when to stop. They'll probably burn themselves down like the Disney <laughs> Disneyland dragon. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> the Disney dragon. I saw that so many times when Disneyland was still good to go to in the early two thousands, and went there and. Wow. Yeah. It actually occurred to me the amount of times like the fire would shoot out of it and it would like the whole lake would catch on fire. And I'm like, eventually this has got to go bad. The one, the voice uh, that is due to technical difficulties (laughs) and you hear people start to laugh. Due to to fire and the presentation tonight. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Really? I can't imagine being there. So, all right. So I, I will push back on your, the, I mean, I think Clone Wars is okay, but um, what did you make of the stuff with the father, the son, and the daughter that basically changes the entire view of the Force? I actually, uh, I think, I don't know if I watched that episode. I only got like four seasons in, but those four seasons I watched, I was like, this is, you know, pretty decent for a cartoon, for a kid's show. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't know what, what was the philosophies what was they were trying to. to us. Yeah. Was yeah, so there's the... About that. Yeah, there's the father... I'm not sure what season. Um, I don't, I'd have to look it up. But the father, there's like the there's a couple episodes where Anakin basically is shown what he's going to do, and then he's they wipe his memory. Uh, but he interacts with these Force beings called the Father, the Son, and the Force, and it's all about kind of keeping the Force oh. in balance. And the Son is like the oh. evil version, 
the daughter right. of course like he is the light side yeah yeah oh my gosh. and um it changes how lucas has like explains how the force set has operates i think where I, it's I, like suppressing like your temptations rejecting them and and using discipline and yeah, I think I remember That's like balanced. references to that. Maybe I saw a scene, but I, I kind of don't. I don't remember enough of like what was talked about. I just remember thinking it's been it's been years since I've watched the show, but I just remember thinking like the value, at least for the storytelling. I'm I'm genuinely shocked at this think, show, and I haven't I watched Rebels, but. I mean, I've heard people say similar things. However, that's a Disney production, so I hate Disney. I can't, you know. I think I'm just going to stick that. to episodes one, two, three, four, five, and six, and write off anything else at this point. I, I, I mean, I, I will say I enjoyed watching Clone Wars and Reb and Rebels both, but I, for me, it's a, it's quite a different experience. Star Wars is a different experience from Tolkien. Like, I just have kind of learned like can't go too deep into this stuff. It just doesn't. It's in, totally incoherent if you try going yeah. deep into it. Like, there's any you know, uh, like metaphysical underpinnings that actually make sense. Uh, You just have to kind of enjoy it uh, for the sake of the stories and not, not think too hard about it. That's, that's where I land on all of this. I completely agree with that. I'm not really thinking about star. I I mean, I know I love, I love star. Like star Wars is my first love, but like I, I learned when midichlorians happened, I was just like, Oh yeah, this is, there's no, I I hear in uh, Demetrius Polycron's next book, the three flowers, (laughs) He'll, he'll be talking about how um, there are these small blood-borne like uh, uh, bacteria that give elves their magic, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, we will learn all Demi- about that. Demetrius Polycron update like needs to be a weekly thing on this live stream. Look, I if it if it comes out, if it comes out that Demetrius Polycron, um, I could see him lobbying over the idea of the nature of Mithril and giving elves their life, their, their immortality. I like that. That whole concept from the, from the rings of power was so dumb that like, yeah, this, somebody with a lot of weed came up with this <laughs> because that's, that's the only, but to You're speak talking about to the, your, the Mithril, did you say the, the, yeah, the, how the, the whole re the rewriting of how now Mithril, the elves need, mithril to to or or they start to, to die stay, stay alive now. yeah the origin yeah. of mithril is is idiotic in the first yeah, place i think i i think i laughed out loud when i watched that i did like, too i did too with my wife yeah. i did it the was, same uh, thing yeah i was just but like, I, I what i have yeah. to say to to john trent's point i never cared that much about the force i'm gonna i am gonna rewatch that episode i'm gonna look it up and what, what you're talking about because i am i'm always interested in the principles behind things but the force was always so pantheistic that unlike tolkien's work i had i felt no affinity for the background metaphysics of the, the star wars universe star wars to me is a space opera and it's to be enjoyed as such and and the force was was it was always just a um a vehicle for the space opera. So I, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm going to have a hard time getting worked up about changing the origins of the force. Yeah. I feel the same way. I don't really connect with star Wars like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people do, but I, I don't, I, I always saw it as more something like just to casually watch. I don't really think too deeply because the, the force and stuff doesn't. And granted, you know, I was like, I was like four years old when the Metachlorian stuff came out, you yeah. know, so it didn't affect me in the same way that it affected you guys probably. But no, no. Remember, I waited 230 hours for the Phantom Menace and learned about Midichlorians. And I felt like I had to like the freaking movie. Oh, uh, <laughs> Midichlorians were something he talked about in the 80s, though. He, he did, but none yeah. of us knew that because there wasn't the right. internet like it was now. And it was, yep. I mean, and then he also had Jar Jar to deal with the furry. <laughs> You mean Darth? Believe Jar-Jar? me, I expected more after waiting two hundred and thirty freaking hours on the streets of Hollywood for 
Yeah. Didn't we all? Didn't we all, man? <laughs> all right. Hey, so we before we close off. We did get Duel of the Fates. We, duel of the Fates. And the, it's still what I, what I will always hold true is the, the best lightsaber duel in all the movies. Uh, maybe other than the one between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan in the Obi-Wan TV show across some sort of fire <laughs> junkyard. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> so bad. Anyway, hey, so I have this one thing. So at home, we're watching. Um, we've watched with my four kids. We've watched The Felsher of the Ring and The Two Towers. We're trying to find a time to actually watch a four-hour Return of the King. We have a big wad projector, and so we, we kind of do it as a movie theater, and uh, we, we set it up nicely. Uh, but after watching The Two Towers, there's one thing I want to I want to just close on. Um, and that's what does Faramir mean? Okay, so at the end of the two towers, Frodo is there about to hand the um, uh, the ring to the ring wraith. Right, it's sitting there, and then uh, Gollum comes over. Gollum, Sam comes over and tackles him, knocks him off. The ring wraith flies away for some reason because he can't get Frodo anymore because Sam tackled him. Uh, but then Faramir says, after that, he says, "I think we finally understand each other, Mister Fro- or Frodo." I'm like, "Wait, what? What do you understand?" Why? What are you talking about? What do you understand now? Because you almost gave the ring to the ring wraith. Now you understand each other. I don't. It's always bothered me, and I want to see if any of you have a good reason for him saying that. Because it hmm. drove me bananas. And the last time I saw it, like a week and a half ago. So that entire scene is contrary to Tolkien's right. vi- well, vision of who Faramir is. But I'm so, wondering what Peter Jackson was thinking. When I got a. I've got a fan comment. I, another comment I, from. Yeah, I might have been read. I think I saw this and read it. Uh, what was going through their mind, I think, was the question. Nothing is going through anyone's mind but the writers getting themselves out of the hash they made of the plot <laughs> by taking Frodo and Sam to Osculius. Uh Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. Just a, it's just a way to write yourself They couldn't out figure out how to get Faramir to agree with it, so they're like, we're just going to make him agree to hell with how he actually thinks. So he the true blood of Numenor supposedly, or the blood ran truer in Faramir than Boromir. And if you were to stretch it, you could say, well, maybe he had some foreknowledge or some something kicked in. Fair yeah, see, was able to see yeah. ends, you know. But no, that's just that's just. What does he understand? Floppy. What does he even? So, like? Jonathan, if, look, if putting myself in the mind of the, the that because yeah. I agree with the commenter that nothing's going through their mind except getting themselves out of and yeah. try to artificially close a second movie yeah. when they when <laughs> you know because that's why that ending was written really yeah way to us but. From the character as written in the movie, and I, which I hate because Faramir is my favorite character uh, in the Lord of the Rings, um, the books, uh, the character as written in the movie is entirely driven by his daddy issues. And yeah. so, wh- what is he doing in that scene? He's taking Frodo back to his daddy, so that so that the ring can give his ring to Denethor, and he can be accepted and loved as Boromir was loved. Mm-hmm. And it, that's that's movie Faramir. And so he's he's under he's being compelled by something you know that that is beyond what what he may want in a particular moment. And so that's the only meaning that I read into it as as far as I was willing to go when I looked at that scene. It was, it was like we Frodo's understand being, Frodo's being other? compelled to give up the ring to the Nazgul. Faramir feels compelled to give up the ring to his dad. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, to me, a, it's it's really the only line in the in all the movies that I can think of that I really just hate absolutely because I can't figure it out. What do they mm. understand about each other? I think it's it's just Sam's speech scene was so phenomenal that <laughs> they got done and Peter Jackson hit cut. And he was like, <laughs> that was brilliant. Let's so, go home. And then <laughs> some guy in the corner with a coffee was like, 
we still got to end the movie. And he was like, oh, right. <laughs> what? That's, that's um, like, what just say you guys like, understand each other. Bob, that's on you. That wasn't properly communicated. Nothing's perfect. <laughs> nobody's got a good answer. If you know the answer, put the, the comments somewhere below because I would really like to know, have a good reason for this. Generally, you know, I hated movies when I first saw oh, them. I hate them. I I disliked the movies much when I saw them and I want to like it a little bit more. And if I understood this line, I would, but it just left such a bad taste in my mouth when I saw it. We can have to go for the first time in like 10 years. See what I'm always fascinated by now that I've got to know Jonathan a bit is the fact that he's much kinder on the Phantom Menace than he is on the, <laughs> in his initial reviews, like Jonathan coming out of the Phantom Menace and Jonathan coming out of uh, the, the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm -hmm. Uh, you were much harsher on Fellowship well, of the that, Ring. That's because the Phantom Menace book was much closer to the Phantom Menace movie. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I... That, you know. Terry Brooks wrote the Phantom Menace book, actually, so it probably wasn't that good, although I never read it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, no, the Phantom Menace, it is what it is. There's nothing else to compare it to. So, it's yeah, it's bad on its own account. But the Lord of the Rings, when they ruin characters like Faramir... And Aragorn and Galadriel, I just, I couldn't, like, that's where it, it left me with a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I think the, <laughs> oh, okay. Faramir was the big, I think the biggest mess up of those yeah. movies, you know. And there's the line, that's the biggest mess up. It's like, we understand each other, what? Sorry, I'm just going to keep going with that. No, you're good. <laughs> this I'm is very personal for Jonathan. I think that, you know, for a character that Tolkien himself said, if I was to plug myself into the story at all, which I I'm not, but if I was hypothetically, I would be Faramir. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to treat that character yeah. with some respect. And he was yeah. essentially like just, you know, a squishy pudding the whole the whole time yep. he was on film. Uh, um just hand eating. Squishy, squishy, squishy pudding, pudding with daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. all right. Well as thanks. opposed as opposed to the one man. Um, who, without any prior knowledge or setting himself up, passed the test of the ring. He's the yeah. one man that, that actually passed the test of the ring in the books. Um, Aragorn does, but Aragorn knows going into it, everything about it. Faramir, it's just thrust upon them, and all of a sudden the one ring is here calling to him, and he passes. And the fact that in the movies they had him not pass and, and give in to a not completely debased instinct. He didn't try to seize it for his own, but Couldn't you know, to bring it back was, was to me, I was like, and I'm out. Yeah. For, this, this conversation, remind, to this to conversation reminds me of um like when you're talking like when you hear a great song and like you're like man this song's awesome and then like somebody's like but what do these lyrics mean right here what you know it's like That's oh so we're true. thinking way too hard about about these, these lyrics okay, right? All right, i can take a hint Fine. <laughs> i will come back we're going to try and watch return of the king this week with my kids and maybe nice. maybe this week. So next week I'll come back split with it a, up in, a, a really annoyed version. What? You can split it into two, like like they used to do with old movies. Where, you where had where's actual, a good place like, to split break. it into two? Where it's there's a there's a natural if you watch the extended edition. There's a natural. Oh, break. that's true. That's yeah. right. Maybe we'll do that. Mm. Okay, I'll do yeah, that. You got to right. put the two discs in, right? Oh, that's, exactly. Yes, yeah. I have the 4K version too that I got. My yeah. wife always slightly hopes that I'll be like, you know what? Let's watch the rest another time instead of putting the second <laughs> disc in. My <laughs> wife is the same way. Oh, that's yeah. funny. And I'm oh, like, wow. the, does she stay look, awake the whole time during it? The too? first and second disc. She passed break. out when we watched it the other day. <laughs> that's a bathroom break. That's what it's there for. It's like, yeah. 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 all right, everybody. Bathroom break, and the kids are like, can I get more ice cream? I'm like, no. 
No. Done. <laughs> I know there's another two hours to go, but no more. You're going to be bouncing off the walls in the next two hours. Anyway. All right, guys. I think we got we to gotta, we gotta pull this off, uh, close the down the ship, land the plane. What are all the other little metaphors I can come up with in order to say we're done? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, next week, I hope, uh, you guys, it's all standing invitation to anybody who wants to come. I'll, I'll, in, our, in our little calendar thing, I'll just add you guys persistently to it. So if you can come, make it, then we'll do it. And I'm going to try and add uh, a couple other folks, too. Austin Freeman. I know, Steve, you gave me the, the author of uh, Tolkien sanctifying myth i'll see if i'll contact him see if he can join yeah. too and uh, move forward there but i want each of you to get a chance to you know tell us where to go to get more info about you so we'll, we'll go clockwise steve you're first from glass hammer uh, yeah glasshammer.com for all my band stuff albums and then uh steven rbab.com for uh news on my book a couple of books now hmm Oh, oops. So, I'm easy to find. <laughs> I wanted to do this. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying to like run the soundboard, oh, no, the video no. board here. Yeah. And then uh, there, there, glasshammer.com. Yeah. I can still <laughs> make things happen. Thanks for being here, Steve. It's been a while. Oh, yeah, I'm, man. I'm, I know you're going to be on vacation next two weeks, but uh, after that. Yeah, I'll, I'll be, be back. Great to meet yeah. you, Steve. Yeah, you too. Yeah, great to meet you, Jordan. Nice to meet you, Steve. <clears throat> All right, John Trent, where should we yeah, go to? So... <clears throat> Yeah, so we have bountyandcomics.com for we cover everything pop culture, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Uh, we do video games uh, as well, um, Marvel, DC. I also have a sports site called bountyandsports.com where we cover all kinds of controversies uh, involving NBA, NHL, NASCAR, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, quick um, question then. Who had the worst pick in the NFL draft last night? I I don't know. Oh come on! Sorry, okay, I don't either. Actually, that's one. <laughs> I'm I'm really stretched thin between both. I'll be honest. Um, I'm, I'm mainly I'm only trying to cover the NASCAR stuff, motorsports stuff. Nah. That's what I really like. Um, and then we have our, we're on YouTube here too. Banning any comments. Um, so if you aren't already subscribed, please yes. go over and hit subscribe. And we have our Black Hill stream. I'll Wednesdays update the, at nine. I'll update the. Uh... I'll update the uh, description below and put links to everything because I think I failed to do that. Sorry, it's the first time I'm still new to this whole thing, so we'll, we'll get it updated. Um, Michael, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me at theonewing.com. So I'm, I, am, uh, I do not host my own show. I, um, um, there, Jonathan puts up with me and Dan uh, as well from no. the Babylon Bee. We're all just co-hosts um, figuring it out. Right. But, uh, yep, I, uh, I, I love these discussions, and it's been a joy and a, and a pleasure to get uh, connected with Jonathan and to meet all of you. So I don't have – my, my, I'm, I'm a boring corporate guy on the, uh, on the business side, so uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to give you websites there. Oh, all right. Well, yeah. maybe one day. We'll one put day. your – you'll advertise on here for us. Anyway, all right. Mixer. I don't even know what to put up for you. I don't think you have a website. Do you have a website? No, no. I'm still, I'm still pretty new to the game. I, I want to first. I want to say thank you guys so much for having me on. This has been so fun. Like I don't really get to do this that often. You know, not, not everybody in my social circle enjoys listening to, you know, Tolkien rants and, and literature rants. So I really appreciate it. It's been so great talking to all of you. Um, right now, you can find me on <laughs> Apple and Spotify. I do a podcast on there. I'm trying to move to doing some video stuff on YouTube soon. Um, other than that. I'm pretty active on Twitter. You know, yeah. you're probably catching catching me saying good morning to my I think, followers I think we, or ratioing search, the New York Times. Right, if you go to like your podcast, you search for Middle Earth Mixer, you'll get that. <laughs> you get well, you get the podcast, right? Like it's not like yeah, yeah, yeah. the third one in the list. Yeah, so. you'll get yeah. like my RSS Remember, feed and then Apple. 
Yeah, yeah. and remember, though Twitter doesn't allow it, Middle Earth has a dash between Middle and Earth because a lot of people yes. yes. Lowercase e on Earth, too. Took me a long yes, and there's just one R at the end of Mixer because I ran out of room. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's the limit on Twitter? I didn't know they had a limit. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I was surprised. Oh. I was like, what? Okay. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I hope to see you next week too. I know it's always harder in the Friday afternoons and I'm surprised I even got all of us together here. So, uh, I really appreciate everybody. And John, you are, you are saved the best for last. Hey, hey, thank you. Because you were, you came in last. Yeah, right on. Find out. Uh, we'll leave it up to everybody else. (laughs) Tolkienroad.com. Uh, yeah, uh, got a lot of podcast episodes, uh, going way back and, uh, got a YouTube channel. So, uh, go subscribe over there. Uh, things are a little bit slow for me right now on the uh, the content world, but I uh, got a lot of backlog, so you can go check that out, and uh, I'll have new content out here soon enough. Awesome. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining, uh, you. all you listeners. Um, Thank we'll, you. we'll try and do this every Friday. Oh, every Friday. I know. I've got a day job, too, so I... Uh, all of us, wow. I think, are, uh, are are burning some daytime oil. Is that can we? Is that is that a thing? I almost didn't make it today. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. So, uh, but thanks for having me. We had, you know, I don't I don't know how many we had, but um, more than I hope. Not as many as, of course, as when people were uh, dishing on the rings of power back in the day. But uh, we're going to keep it up and keep going and growing and uh, and go from there. So, thanks everybody, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, thanks for putting this together, John. All right, thank yeah, you. Thank you.